Hey everybody, Katie and I are on our last week of winter break, so we're pulling an old episode that we loved from a Christmas time about three years ago. We'll be back next week to start season 14. Enjoy! Do you remember this album? No, I was too young. But every time that co- that starts, I always think it's going to say "Happy Halloween" every single time. Um, I don't know why, but the NSYNC Christmas album is one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. That's track three, <laughs> or maybe six. I, it's definitely something divisible by three, <laughs> and it's so good. Is that your favorite, like, uh, non-traditional Christmas album? Uh, you know, like or like one by a pop artist. I would say one by a pop artist. Yes, yes. Okay. I really do like Taylor Swift's album, but she just does like cutesy country versions because yeah. she made it so long ago. It, yeah. it is very cute. Uh, however, as you know, producer and I have an ongoing fight about <laughs> Michael Bublé <laughs> and Buble. Josh Groban. If you guys remember from <laughs> last year. But I think John Legend trumps them both with his Christmas album. His is probably I'm good. Very into it. Um, there's one song that is slamming. Mm. Case and I just like put it on the car sometimes and like really jam out, even if it's not Christmas. I, I'm into <laughs> pentatonics too when it's not mm. Christmas. I love mm. their music. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not here to talk about holiday music. No, we're just here to talk about things surrounding this holiday. Merry Christmas. Of Yuletide. Christmas. Happy Christmas. It's Wednesday. <laughs> You're getting us on a Wednesday. Which is weird. We don't know what we're doing here on this day. Yeah, we couldn't uh, We couldn't wait to get this episode out to you, and we yeah. didn't want you to have to wait till the day after Christmas. That would be rude. Yeah. And then things wouldn't make sense, mm-hmm. and you're probably annoyed with your family, and you don't want to listen to us, so this is your Christmas present. Right. Or you can wait until the next day when you're driving home from said family get-together. Yeah. I don't know, but... We're here with you. So happy Christmas. That wonderful, wonderful happy day. Mm. This is the penultimate episode of 2019. Yes, of this podcast you're listening to called Herstory. On the rocks! With Katie and Allie. <laughs> and uh, tonight on this special Yuletide episode, we're still going to be doing the same fucking thing we always do. Same thing. Um, we are going to drink two cocktails Tell and you tell some stories. you a story. But we're not historians. God, no. And we try to get very drunk. Yes. Christmas, some Christmas Yuletide merriment, mm-hmm. one might say. And uh, we do all of our research all in sources that you could find, oh, but absolutely. we're combining all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about mine tonight because <laughs> even the history chicks only had a 12-minute episode on her. That's okay. 12 minutes. (laughs) I had to like really pull some strings to make this one happen. (laughs) But that's all right. Because there is, mine is a funny story because it's just like one big story. Yeah. And I kind of go into the life of one person. But Oh, and and that's what we're doing. We tell stories. We talk about women from history. Good women, bad women, real women, fake women. Groups of women. All different types of women doing all different types of things so that we can bring to you a little Mm -hmm. bit more because there aren't enough resources about all of these women that exist. Very true. And we're adding to the stockpile. So... Do you want to do presents? Let's do we presents. Get into yeah, stuff. I don't want to okay. wait until after the birthday cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to yeah, do yeah, presents. Yeah. That's Absolutely. no fun. Mine go together. Okay. Okay. 
This is for you and fiance. <laughs> this season, this holiday season, uh, it's kind of like Buffalo check wrapping paper that <laughs> Katie's going through right now. And they're two Christmassy wine glasses. Those what did they say? So cute. Holiday cheer. Thank you. Yeah. I love wine glasses, and I don't have enough. And I love stemless wine glasses. Uh, and seasonal ones. Absolutely. Because then they become special. Yes, absolutely. And this goes with it ah, in a special you. wrapping. <laughs> Look uh, at that hot mama. That, oh, my God. I love a good wine bottle. Oh, yeah. And this one is beautiful yeah oh my gosh thank you liza I help me pick it out <laughs> well she's got really good taste she does i was like look for one with a cute lady on it absolutely mm -hmm. i also love this cute little box do you want it back to give other people wine no you can use it okay it's the when gift that keeps on wine. giving <laughs> <laughs> okay so you have to open the smaller one on top first okay smaller one first mm -hmm. i'm ready it feels like a book uh-huh it is a book katie's wrapping paper is much um <laughs> more posh than mine would you call it posh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, it's a book. Morning, night, little pep talks from me and you. By your fave. Me and you. <laughs> By Linda and Miranda. 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 And so I picked out one page. So you read the one in the morning and then the other one at night. And I thought that was perfect for you. Okay, ready? Good morning. You are stunning. Use your power wisely. Good night. You are stunning. Lay down your burdens. I love it. <laughs> and the little page, it has like little like masks cut out, like a uh, actor mask. Every page has these adorable drawings and the book is just so cute. And some little poems are longer than others. And it's just something to read in the morning and something to read at night. Just little pep talks. And I just think that it's so great. <laughs> and it's in, by your fave. I'm so. in love with that. <laughs> and this one, so... Before you open it, do you remember my New Year's resolution? Your New Year's resolution was to make better decisions. Listen to yourself. Yes. So listen, listen to, to your own advice. So the first piece of advice I gave myself this year was to be more like you because I look up no! to you. So I've been working on this all year. I knew I could only be 10% like you. Like, so this is... <laughs> Why Something I've been so working personal? on all year. <laughs> You're bonkers. I ran 219 no, miles no, this year. No, didn't. Secretly. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> and then there's a picture of us at the first race we ever ran together. Look how young you look. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that is adorable. We'll have to put a picture of this up. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to cry. That's so sweet. So I've been tracking it. Um, some months were slower than others. But <laughs> when I... When did you finish? The 13th. Oh, wow. <laughs> like days ago. I've got 34 miles Friday. <laughs> well, hopefully this will push you to yes. finishing it. Oh, but... and then we can put the pictures up yep, together. Exactly. Oh, so. so fun. So that was something I knew that I wanted to do for you and for myself. Oh, but. This is so personal. I'm like, drink more. No, yours was great. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Love it. All right. Okay. So now that we're done presents. We got to get to work. We have to get to work. Work, work, work. So, work, but, work. but because we are an audio form podcast, we are going to describe what these women look like because mm -hmm. we don't want you stopping and Googling and crashing your car. Mm -mm. So we need to get a little... Physical, physical, 
Allie, what does your lady look like tonight? I am doing the amazing Mrs. Claus. <laughs> she is typically depicted as a woman in her 60s to her 80s. She's a bit heavy set or plump with rosy cheeks. She's always wearing either red and white or green plaid. Mm. And her clothes are like warm. They include fur, but mm. they're always um, like functional. She could use them mm. in the kitchen, mm -hmm. including like a white apron, usually over top of what she's wearing. Mm -hmm. Her hair is white, but when she's pictured as younger, her hair's red. Huh. In in most cartoons and pictures, and yeah. she has glasses and a bun, cute, and that's Mrs. <laughs> Claus. So I am doing Anne Daniels in the 1997 all female North Pole Relay Expedition. Well, do so it. <laughs> because it's a a group of 20 women and two guides. Um, I'm just gonna say these are all just your average white British women. Mm, got it. <laughs> they are middle-aged like to younger so the youngest was like 25 and the oldest was it like 48 or something like that and but most importantly they are just regular women so get that in your head right uh, in most pictures they can be seen in heavy orange snow gear goggles boots and frost on any bit of exposed skin <laughs> uh but i'm going to give a little more focus onto ann daniels um who is a white middle-aged british woman with short blonde hair a petite figure and blue eyes so she's going to be kind of the focal point of uh specifically the later half of the story but that's what they look like <laughs> ann daniels <laughs> ann daniels that's a fun name and the north pole relay I love Women. it. So. <laughs> Are you ready to find out what you're drinking? I am. This looks delicious. Super traditional drink. Mm -hmm. It is Mrs. Claus's eggnog. Now, if you wanted to be ballsy and make eggnog by yourself, you would need <laughs> egg yolks, sugar, salt, vanilla extract, nutmeg, heavy cream, whole milk, and cinnamon. But I just bought the store half gallon because I am not that brave. <laughs> and it is three parts brandy and one part rum. And I sprinkled on top cinnamon. And then I put down some really broken pieces of candy cane down into the glass so they would slowly melt and, like, infuse mm -hmm. into the eggnog and then we have like a little candy cane straw Excellent. sticking out the edge well, cheers cheers mm. oh my god i love eggnog i know you do so much katie eats <laughs> eggnog <laughs> with ice cream in it well because my dad when we were kids he would like when they had like more traditional christmas eve um, before we all started drinking, he would make eggnog and he would mix eggnog ice cream and blend it with the rum. Ugh, so it's like a and milk the brandy. Shake. So yeah. it's like an boozy eggnog milkshake and it always looked so good. And also I put milk in my ice cream anyways. Yeah. So it's just even better. But God, I also feel like making eggnog at home is like making mayonnaise at home. It's like, yeah, you could, but should you? Yeah. But why? But why? <laughs> Let's all not. Yeah. <laughs> That's all nog. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a little Christmas joke for you. What, what do you know about Mrs. Claus? All right. I know she's the lady of the house. Mm -hmm. She uh, gets Mr. Claus ready. Oh, yeah. She fattens him up if sure he's does. not doing his duty. Sure does. Not doing his di due diligence to <laughs> beef up before the big night. Yeah. 
All I remember is her and Rudolph, and she's like, you're too skinny. Nobody likes a skinny Santa. Exactly. Yeah, I watched a lot of Miss Claus this week. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, because that's what I would want to be doing anyways this week. Yeah. I just, right before I came here, to get into the Christmas spirit, I watched the Mickey's Christmas Carol. <sighs> so fun. I love that one. Who's a better Bob Cratchit, Mickey <sighs> or Kermit? I'm going to say Mickey. Okay. I feel like a lot of people would disagree with me, but I... I just love that one so much. And I love that the Wind in the Willows folks are there because oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of kids this day would not know who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But, but yeah. And then I want like an old Mickey Mouse binge after that. <laughs> you got to sometimes. And then you got, you got here where my kids were still awake and oh, all yeah. your spirit just it got just knocked out of you. Knocked out of me like a <laughs> bat out of hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're crazy. <laughs> but, but yeah, but that's all I know about Mrs. Claus is that she's Santa's wife and she feeds him lots of food (laughs) well you know what close the book because i mean mrs claus is pretty incredible Mm -hmm. and modern christmas lore is enough to fill novels and our brains with useless information so before we get started (gasps) i'm giving you a six question useless information christmas quiz i'm ready i'm ready okay what would you be writing if you were dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh? Yeah, you oh would be in a one-horse <laughs> open sleigh. If you were to celebrate Cindy Lou Who's birthday, you would Ooh. know that she's no more than two. Yeah. <laughs> Cindy Lou Who. Like, I think they're all going to be two. rhymes. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of them are. If you were a horrible man pressuring mm. me for sex and I said, I really can't stay. <laughs> what would you say? But it's cold outside. <laughs> also, I'm going to def- start defending that song again. <laughs> it was cute for the time. And I think it's all about, I read this thing about this English teacher who posted about how that was about women's empowerment. It does sound bad. <laughs> but if she's, I think she's being coy in the song. I think she's being coined. She wants to stay. I think you could read it a couple ways. You could read it a couple ways. You could read it a couple ways, but I'm coming back around to that song. Oh, it is. It is. Well, I do really like the song. Yeah. Because it's fun. Yeah. But you could definitely read it as horrible. You could definitely read it as horrible. (laughs) Okay. That's why I'm glad that John Legend and Kelly Clarkson did the other version. Right. So now we have two. Whatever floats your boat. We're all okay with it. (laughs) On the second day of Christmas, what did my true love gift me? Two French hens. No, nope. three French hens. Three French hens. Two turtle doves. Two turtle doves <laughs> is what I have. Okay. If you were a wise man and I was Jesus, mm. what would you give me? Frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Wrong. Essential oils Damn. be the answer. Which is <laughs> just frankincense. <laughs> okay. And last one. If you were left at home on Christmas and a burglar was trying to break into your house, mm-hmm. what NBA mm-hmm. player would you put on a train to go around your living room? MJ. MJ. Michael Jordan. Number 23. <laughs> Bulls. <laughs> so there we go. That's how much useless Christmas knowledge yep. we all have in our heads. Excellent. And I wanted to point that out uh, because we know almost nothing about Miss Claus. I was shocked at how little information there was about really? her. Yes. Even like most references just list the movies and TV shows that have featured her. There is not like Christmas lore, Hmm. which is really intense. So I'm going to try to spell it out as best I can. Okay. As we know. Well, first, if uh, you for some god awful reason let your children listen to this podcast, (laughs) preview ahead. 
I'm not going to try to do any spoilsies, but just in case, mm-hmm. you never know, um, on the Santa detail. But first, we know that Santa was a bishop from modern-day Turkey, St. Nicholas of Mira, and he was born in 270 and died in 343 A.D. It was not impossible at this time for a Turkish monk to have a wife. So, like, modern-day priests and monks don't get married, but, like, back then, not everybody was celibate, so he could have had a wife, but there's no record of St. Nicholas ever being married. St. Nicholas, in his life, would secretly pay the dowries of poor girls in town so that they could get married. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? That's really and then nice. he would leave, like, um, anonymous treats for poor kids. And that came into, like, leaving your shoes out on your doorstep on December 5th for the 6th, which is St. Nicholas Day. Mm-hmm. By the time this moved to the Netherlands, though, he was called Sinterklaas, Ooh. which is, like, a rough translation of St. Nicholas and said with kind of an accent over years. And then the Dutch are the ones that brought the Christmas tradition to New York Mm -hmm. when they came across the Atlantic. When Santa came to the United States, he was still a bachelor. No Mrs. Claus yet. They've been married for less than 250 years. (laughs) Can you believe it? Also, one thing I'm thinking of is, do you remember when they had that pregnant Barbie and it was like, Matt, it was like pure mayhem that oh, it yeah. was like a pregnant Barbie and she didn't come with a Ken. <laughs> like <laughs> she so can't she, be by herself. She, she can't, can't be, by be a single mother. And it's like I wonder if like almost like a similar thing of like well, we can't have just him being single. Yeah, with all these children, fathers like, sold separately. Fathers <laughs> <laughs> sold separately. Um, Yeah, I I think that that was part of it, that everybody just expected people in a leadership role, especially if they have this affinity for children or have to spend a lot of time with children, to have a spouse. Yeah. Um, Because we've seen what's happened with non-spoused Catholic church priests, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there is that stigma Mm -hmm. that also is true. Um, So Santa, even in the poem the night before christmas he was still single no mrs claus in it was the night before christmas went all through the house but he did get his famous reindeer in this play which means they are or poem which means they are pets that he brought to the wedding those reindeer like the the, you know how like when you meet somebody and you're like yeah but your dog hates me it was like that those reindeer were part of the deal with him The first time we get to see Miss Claus was in 1849, and it's in a bit of a morality tale by James Reese called A Christmas Legend, and it is a huge fucking downer. This story, like, there's this super poor family, and they couldn't care for their sick, sick daughter, and she dies. And then Santa and his wife show up and bring the family some gifts. And they're, like, really kind to these two old strangers. And in the morning, it's revealed that it's not actually Santa and Mrs. Claus, but, like, a reincarnation of their daughter and her old boyfriend. It's very, very weird. But the point that people make with this story is the very casual mention of and his wife. Okay. So it implies that it was common knowledge that Santa had a wife, but this was the first time it was written down. Okay. So it was very, no, no description, just, and his wife, Mrs. Claus, you okay. know. So that's 1849. From this point forward, she's mentioned in songs, stories, 
and poems. In 1851, she does have her initials listed at the bottom of a letter as mm. A, B. So, Katie, <laughs> I have something I need to tell you. <laughs> I am Mrs. Claus. <laughs> now you know. I also can't believe her initials. So, are they A, B, C? Uh, I have no idea because we don't know her name. Annette Benning Claus. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And that's a perfect point to this. Uh, We have to add that we don't know her name. She has never been given a first name. So very upsetting. It is. (laughs) She has been Jessica, Anna, Margaret, Martha, Carol, Samantha, Lydia, Annalena, Ahoop, Siki, and Mary M-E-R-R-Y. That's cute. Never anything else. And like Mrs. Claus reminded me of member when i went to um plymouth rock and like i took a picture of the pilgrim gravestone mm-hmm. and it was just like mr Corey and his wife yeah. buried here so and so and his wife i feel like that's how mrs claus is and it yeah. kind of sucks it does suck however the uh charlie brown peanuts in the 60s they're the ones who gave her the name mary like merry christmas which also <laughs> happens in dumb and dumber <laughs> right so you're saying there's a chance but the the little girl charlie brown's sister in a letter says that she congratulates her for keeping her last name as if her name is merry christmas (laughs) and his name is santa claus (laughs) so i forgot about that part i love that charlie brown christmas (laughs) special because that one was the one without the tree because the famous one is the one where he gets the tree yes this is the one where they have the christmas carol Mm -hmm. and it's so cute Exactly. Man, I love that one. It's great. And I, it was just fun to think that in the 60s, they were starting to push for this. Why doesn't anybody know anything about Miss Claus? Right. Like, who is she? So in 1862, Harper's Magazine gave her a look. They had a picture and they listed that she had a dozen red petticoats that had been made fa- like superman you open the closet it's like <laughs> i thought you meant like on it once i was like that's crazy no that is bonkers <laughs> although those women who go to the north pole i'm sure they wore a lot <laughs> like 12 coats at once and the petticoat was made famous by queen victoria and her family but um, mrs claus's was made of red flannel and it was worn slightly shorter than a typical skirt so she could walk in the snow and ice skate mm. and um it wasn't until over 10 years later when she was decked out in green plaid mm-hmm. so she wore red for over a decade before she was allowed into the green palette in Lil's Travels in Santa Claus Land, we actually get to see her do something for the first time. This is 1879, and they refer to a lady sitting behind a golden desk writing in a large book. And you have Santa Claus over on the other side of the room, and he's looking out of this, like, telescope, and he puts his ear to the telescope, and then he turns around and says, put a good mark for Sarah Buttermilk. I see she's trying to conquer her quick temper. Oh, that's cute. That's adorable. And then it's her job to sit there and make the notes, which implies that Mrs. Claus is responsible for the naughty and nice list. I also, that makes me happy that Sarah Buttermilk got on the nice list for trying. (laughs) I think that is a, just a little note of encouragement to (laughs) everyone out there. (laughs) God bless you, Sarah Buttermilk and everyone. (laughs) And may the force be with you. So 
this was common at that time for tradesmen wives to keep their books so it would make sense that oh a woman would be sitting keeping all of the like financial books in order while her husband was doing the actual you know making and marketing of items mm -hmm. so it seems like her role's fitting pretty well into history then in hickory backlog there's this character that's narrating and he's an architect the architect you can assume is a narrator and this woman comes to him with complaints about hazards of contemporary kitchen design and he mentions in his narrator brain if this woman isn't mrs claus then i don't know who she is kind of like a miracle on 34th oh, street yeah. kind of thing where like uh -huh. she's bringing all these problems with kitchen design and she starts going through her list and he keeps trying to cut her off to speak and each time she says don't interrupt me <laughs> and keeps telling him the problems with his kitchen design <laughs> she's like you might have built the kitchen but i use it and i know it better than you <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I think female engineers excelled. If you look at, like, the first items that women created, yeah. it was, like, stuff for kitchens and stuff for washing machines and stuff for, like, baby carriages mm -hmm. and, like, all the things that it's, like, you know what would be a really fucking good idea? Yeah. If I could blah, blah, blah. And well, then they went and made it. Because didn't your mom say something about that? It was, like, yes. when you first had Caroline mm -hmm. and... What was it like? Your the the car carrier uh -huh. lifts out, and you can bring it inside and put it in the high chair, and you can take it and put it in the stroller without ever taking the baby out of it. There we go. So if they're that asleep, you don't have to wake them up to get them inside, or you don't have to sit there in the car like staring at the sky yeah. while you wait for them to wake up. Yeah. And my mom was like, "This is what happened once we got women engineers." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, Peggy, absolutely, preach, girl." <laughs> so that was really cool that like they're showing. But still, Mrs. Claus in a kitchen role. Like, her mm -hmm. job is to be in the kitchen. So a professor at Wesley, that should be on our bingo, bingo board. Went is, to Wesley. Yeah, <laughs> at some point was involved in this Boston institution. Um, so her name's Catherine Lee Bates, which Kathy what? Bates, right? Yeah. <laughs> but this is at a totally different era. This is 1889. She wrote a play Bates called is a vampire i know <laughs> that would make sense mm -hmm. um they wrote a play called or a poem i keep calling them plays <laughs> called goody santa claus and a sleigh ride now goody was a victorian word for mrs or wife oh. it meant like good wife so i think the place i always hear it is in um the crucible like Never the wife is it. goody so and so i was thinking of like goody two shoes mm. is that why people say that like Maybe, oh, like Mrs. the woman. Yeah. Oh, I've never thought about it like that. Huh. I wonder. Mm, turn a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Might be something. Uh, I don't know. But this woman, Catherine, your namesake, spelled mm. the same, mm -hmm. gave her, it's no A-B, but oh. I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> gave her a attitude and attitude. And she was just like up in Mr. Claus's business. So this is one of the things she says to him. You just sit here and grow chubby off of the goodies in my cubby from December to December till your white beard sweeps your knees. For you must allow my goodman that you're but a lazy woodman and rely on me to foster all your fruitful Christmas trees. Damn. It also sounds like it's so veiled about sex. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> my goodies, yeah. what you're talking about. And then, like, all you want me to do is give you Christmas trees. <laughs> and you get lazy and grow yeah. fat. 
And then later on, he, she convinces him to take her on the sleigh ride. And later on, she says, why should you have all the glory of the joyous Christmas story when poor little goody Santa Claus has nothing but the work? I know the task takes brain deer, and I'm only supposed to hold your reindeer, and blah, 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 blah. Because yeah. she's, like, continually saying, like, I just want to have a part in this. Yeah. And he finally lets her go down and, like, fill some of the kids' stockings and yes. come back up, which is really cool. But then later in this story, it turns out Miss Claus is also responsible for the rainbow chickens that lay Easter eggs. <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> I also almost said, like, that's ridiculous. Everyone knows the bunny lays the Easter eggs. And I was like, bunnies, <laughs> bunnies don't, don't lay eggs. eggs. Uh, Mrs. Claus that's what she does in the off season rainbow chickens rainbow chickens in the spring she raises them just like she takes care of the reindeer that's her job I love that she's really really good at agriculture (laughs) apparently so um, for the next 80 years she kind of fades into the background and we don't hear a lot about her except for really the naughty nice list and that she kind of is an overseer of the elves, which were called the brownies at that time, (laughs) which I don't know. And it turns into her being a representative of the cult of domesticity, Mm. right? She can darn things. She can feed cookies. She can do cocoa. She can make pie. She's a mother figure to the elves. She's kind of in charge of the books and production while Santa's away, but doesn't have a full-time job or even a title or a paycheck. She's just kind of the helper. And in the 1800s, the cult of domesticity was a term for an opinion about women, They believed that a woman should not do any work outside of the house. So there are four main beliefs. One, that women are more religious than men, piety. Two, that women are pure of heart, mind, and body, purity. Three, that women should answer to their husbands, submission. And four, women should stay at home. This was the belief in the 1800s, which is why it was so hard for women to get jobs and work Mm -hmm. later in life. And that is really the the role that Mrs. Claus is playing. And I think we'll see throughout this story that she slowly plays a more and more important role as yeah. culture changes. At this time, almost always an accessory to Santa. In the 1950s, though, we see her for the first time young. And she has kind of a corseted hourglass figure and red hair. And this keeps coming up over and over again. Sometimes people say it's because, like, red hair is the one that turns the most, like, white 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 when you get older so it would make sense yeah that it would be super white hair as opposed to like grayish um but also it's just kind of cute like the red suit the red hair like it's that's fun so family circus in 1961 did a thing called how mrs santa claus saved christmas so santa is sick and he slept through his alarm clock so mrs claus takes the sleigh and accidentally mixes up all the presents but everyone ends up better off with the present that they got that wasn't intended for them in the first place and for most of the 20th century this is her story she without santa knowing is saving christmas kind of behind his back mm-hmm. kind of screwing things up but then <laughs> fixing it in the long run yeah that's her the whole tale of mrs claus Mm -hmm. an example from a little bit before this era it says here i sit year after year in iceland dressing dolls and making candy bags and aprons and slippers and caps and whatnot and when they're all done mr santa claus just packs them in his sleigh and hitches his deer and away he goes to have all the fun and all the thanks so you can see she's starting to get a little bitter and she wants to jump in the sleigh and do it herself 1964 
We're getting close. <laughs> Mrs. Claus appears on film for the first time in what is regularly listed in the top ten worst movies ever. <laughs> Santa conquers the Martians. What? I've never heard of this. Yep. You ever. should go back, watch a couple clips from it on YouTube, everybody. <laughs> big, big old mess, but it is the first time that Mrs. Claus is ever depicted on television. Only three weeks before Claymation Rudolph. Claymation Rudolph is the second time ever really? that Mrs. Claus is depicted in television. <laughs> and as we said earlier, she's a big old meanie. <laughs> she is yelling at her husband and force feeding him diabetes. And everybody's mean to Rudolph because he's weird and they don't like toys that are misfit and yeah. the elves are bad singers. Like the whole thing's a mess. Everyone in that movie is terrible. It's it's an example of bullying. Yeah. Full it scale. It really is. Yeah. And like, it's horrible. The movie's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, when you watch it and you like play a drinking game with it to be like, okay, every time they're awful to each other, take a drink. I know. <laughs> Literally, Rudolph's then, father goes, "I'm ashamed of you." He's he's the worst yeah. character. Oh my god. Is it Donner? Is that who Donner? I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Donner, you're a dick. Oh, he really is. He's the absolute worst. Mm. I just. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What is the little deer his, his, he has a crush on? Is her Clarice? Clarice. Clarice. <laughs> She's got an 80-year-old woman singing voice. Absolutely. <laughs> a I love it. Um, oh, my gosh. Every character in that movie is so wild. Fucking Yukon Cornelius. He's great. Oh, <laughs> that was him falling off the mountain. <laughs> I love when he licks his pickaxe. I'm going to be a dentist. So weird. <laughs> I'm not gonna miss it. <laughs> That's what I feel like the whole movie is. Why am I such a misfit? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. So then we get to see them a couple years later in another claymation pick. Santa Claus is coming to town where he mm. plays Chris Kringle with mm -hmm. his mailbag. And it's like a bummer of a place, gray town. <laughs> and he meets a wonderful school teacher, which this becomes a trend that Miss Claus used to be a school teacher, huh. and her name is Mrs. Jessica. And again, she has the hourglass figure and the red hair swept up in a bun. In 74, later in that decade, uh, Santa takes a year off, and she jumps in again. That's normal. And then we're jumping ahead, because it just is normal for her to keep fixing his problems all through <laughs> the 70s and 80s. So in 1996, Mrs. Santa Claus, played by Angela Lansbury... <laughs> Mrs. Potts herself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Murder. She fucking wrote. <laughs> I don't I don't have any more references. Oh Mary Poppins. No, she's not in Mary Poppins. No. <laughs> she is in the new one with Lynn Manuel Miranda. So <laughs> Angela Angela Lansbury is named Anna and she gives her opinion to Santa about improving the efficiency of his machines in the factory. And she is completely ignored. And she goes on to prove that she has better ideas by uh, figuring out his machines. But then she ends up like accidentally traveling through time in the sleigh and ends up in 1910 as a part of the women's suffragette movement. What? <laughs> that happens. Mrs. Claus was part of the 1910 United States women's suffragette movement. Now we know. Heard it. It's canon. <laughs> canon. Angela wow. Lansbury played it. 
In 2002, Tim Allen needs to find a wife in the Santa Claus 2. They should have stopped at the first one. Yo, My God. The Santa Claus with an E. That was <laughs> such a good movie. They should yep. have never made any more of those. Mm, they shouldn't. The second one's bad. Third one kind of tries to bring it back. <laughs> but in the second one, they're going to cancel Christmas if he doesn't get married. That's ridiculous. So ridiculous. That's what? Force-fed force marriage. I also appreciate it being flipped because I feel like that's what happened to Jasmine. She wasn't allowed to True. exist. I don't know. Run the king- she wasn't Can't a- run the kingdom until yeah. you have a husband. Yeah. Exactly. The Simpsons have a Mrs. Claus. And it is voiced by Martha fucking Stewart. Really? I had to bring that up just because I think she's the perfect I Mrs. Claus. Love I have nothing Stewart. about that episode except for the fact that Martha Stewart <laughs> was the voice. One of the most recent famous interpretations of Mrs. Claus was played by Professor Umbridge. Emilda Stalton. Really? Uh-huh. In 2011, in a movie called Arthur Christmas, her first name, like I said, is Martha, and she has to deal with all the mom things. She has two kids. She's dealing with fighting relatives. She wraps her own present and hands it to Santa to give to her. No. Yeah. That's horrible. She's make, I know. She's making food, and she's driving the Enterprise all by herself, and she's shown as a very, very efficient character and this is where i want to bring up one trope of miss claus for us to discuss i think it is a burden that women are supposed to complete all of the housework with zero thanks because that's their job like quote unquote Uh, and i read a really cool article earlier this week called i don't help my wife and it was about a guy who was sitting with his his friends at the house, and he was like, oh, I'm going to put this stuff away real quick because they had just used some dishes. And the one guy was like, that's nice. I don't help my wife. And he was like, I don't help my wife either. This is our responsibility. Like, everybody says, I, I have to help my wife, but it's yeah. your fucking house too. Yeah. I am flying off the roof with the F-bombs tonight, by the way. <laughs> it is Christmas. Well, because it's true. That is such a ridiculous term. It's kind of like it's on the same realm as like, oh, yeah, I got to babysit the kids, kids. tonight. And it's yeah. like they're your children. You right. literally are 50% of them. Yeah. Like, that's not babysitting. <laughs> it implies that the, it is the wife's responsibility to do like 90% of the child yeah. rearing and the housework. And the ten, the extra 10% it's like is a you gift. helping. It's yeah. a gift. It's like you can put your husband on the chore chart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, sticker. I'm so glad that, like, Casey is not like that. Like, yeah. I am, like, home more often, uh-huh. so I do more of it. But when it was flipped and he was home more often than I was, you know, just because our jobs have changed over the years, like, he did the cooking and the cleaning. And right. You know what I'm saying? It just, like, shifts like that. And it should, depending <laughs> it should. on, like, who's at the house and when they're at the house. And it's like, right. if it's trash day and Jake's out of town, I'm not going to be like, the trash is his chore. Right. You exactly. know what I mean? I'm just going to take it out. Like... <laughs> Whatever. That makes me so angry, but that article sounds really good. It it's was. It's funny because the title of it sounds bad. And it's why I clicked on it, because I yeah. was like, this I'm might be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. No, I, it actually was posted by, like, a person I respect, so Ooh, I was like, okay. okay, let me try and read this. Um, it was actually from Dylan's mom. So then, <laughs> in 2016, and I sent this to Katie earlier in the week because I really wanted her to get a feeling for this, there's a wonderful commercial by Marks and Spencer where um, it's called Christmas with Love from Mrs. Claus. It's an 
a commercial ad. So it's only a couple minutes long. So we'll post the link. But so good. she gets letters from kids and kind of Mr. Claus or Santa's walking out the door. He's like, oh, anything new? And she looks down and it's to her. And she's like, no, not really. And then he leaves on his sleigh ride. She gives him kisses, all the stuff. And then she gets in her red helicopter and flies and does all the presents she has to do and then comes home and pretends she's sleeping on the couch for when he gets there and she's just like oh I did all the work and you don't even know well I love that one too because it's it's like this specific one too yeah it's like this little kid who he like fucked up and he like ruined his sister's shoes and she like puts Gonna all buy these <laughs> shoes well my sister please my dog eat them and it is like you remember when we put that on put put on that play put that track down um so but i, I just love it you guys really should watch the ad because it also shows how mr claus is like doing things the traditional way uh-huh. the hard way and mrs claus is like Dude, it is so much easier if you just use the fucking GPS and the tracker and yeah. the helicopter. Like it's in the fr- and I love when she goes to the front door and she looks at the chimney like, what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And and Mrs. Claus is played by Janet McTeer, who is like such a sexy old woman, mm-hmm. older woman, I should say. Yeah. And it's just really nice to see like this older woman in her like cozy white sweater mm-hmm. and just like and then her short hair. Right. And, like gray hair right not dyed yeah and then just like balling out in a bright red helicopter i was like this is fantastic (laughs) so i definitely suggest that but it also brings up another trope of the woman and of mrs claus that his job is important and dominant and in order for her to do a similar job she has to praise him and his deeds and then keep her job a secret so to not threaten his manlyhood and I think that women do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely do. They downplay their power position so that, like, the man feels special. Mm-hmm. Like, the can you open this jelly jar even though I could clearly open it yeah. type of thing. Well, I've, I was thinking about that um, because we're watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season three. Mm-hmm. And there's that part where Rose is like, no, Abe, like, I've been paying for half of our stuff. She's like, do you think we can live here and live the way we do and go on vacation every summer with just your salary? She's like, no, that comes from, like, my side of the family, my fucking trust fund, whatever. And she's like, you think the maid makes $30 a week? No, she makes $60 a week because I need her to stay. And it's like that thing of, like, she's never wanted to tell Abe before because it's threatening. Yeah. Men are weird about money stuff and work stuff and power dynamic, power dynamic and responsive and not all of them. Yeah. But like, I think that, and I think that is shifting, but no matter how progressive a man is, I think it's still like in the back of their heads. And even if it's not their head, they know that other other men might be judging Mm -hmm. them. Other men and women might be judging them because their power position might be lower. Yeah. And that's what I loved about this season, the series finale of fucking 30 Rock Mm -hmm. when Liz Lemon and I forget his name, but he's played by James Marsden. Uh And he's like, no, like I want you to work and I want to stay at home with the kids. And like they thought that they had to switch power dynamics, but they didn't. I love that. So it's great. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what kind of tangents I'm going on tonight. They're good ones. I mean, that's what it is because Mrs. Claus, we don't know her name. We know she's a wife and a homemaker and Mm -hmm. that's all we know. So that's like a good tangent in this episode. Mm -hmm. 
So in 2018, there's a wonderful movie on Netflix. Katie, if you need a good cry, mm. go watch. Well, there's actually two. I'll give you the okay. first one. Christmas Chronicles is a people movie. That's what I call ones with humans, <laughs> not cartoons. And um, these two oh, kids. with Kurt Russell? Yeah. Okay. Have you seen it? No, okay. but you told me last year I should Yeah. See it. <laughs> these two kids, they lose a parent, and they're trying to get back into Christmas mm-hmm. and learning about Christmas after that. And it's a brother and sister trying to, like, rebuild the relationship with themselves and their mom and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And Kurt Russell is Santa. And you only get two seconds of Mrs. Claus. But she turns around after he gets back to the North Pole. And, of course, it's his, Kurt Russell's actual wife, Goldie, Goldie Hawn. And, like, it's one of those moments where you're like, ah, Miss Claus is so sexy. <laughs> like, because, of course, it's Goldie Hawn in, like, cute Halloween outfit, Mrs. Claus. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just really, really funny because then I was telling my dad about it the next day. And he was like, oh, who played Mrs. Claus, Goldie Hawn? And I was like. Yes. Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> you, do you work for Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> but the one that came out this year, this is the most recent depiction of Mrs. Claus. We don't even get to see her. So it's in the 2019 Netflix cartoon called Klaus. And Mrs. Claus has passed away before the movie starts. Um, and her name was Lydia. And her and her husband could not have children And they would make all these toys as they wanted to have children. And then they just kind of stockpiled. And then there's, like, this mailman who meets this, like, in a poor gray town. So they're kind of bringing back Mm. the Kris Kringle thing. Mm -hmm. Meets this school teacher, which kind of like Mrs. Jessica. And they kind of convince Klaus to help hand out these toys to the poor children. And then um, Klaus ends up passing away as well. And the Kris Kringle-type characters, because I don't know how the gifts kept showing up, but every year their spirits kind of, like, left the gifts. So it's, like, a really cute, like, Santa's spirit is real and we don't know what's going on, even though I was a part of the original, like, gift-giving. But it's it's a really sweet story because we know that Mr. and Mrs. Claus in lore don't have children. Yeah. So you wonder, like, what was the driving force behind gifting things to these children? Like, you see Mrs. Claus as the homemaker. She's a baker. She can sew. She can, like, make things. She can clean things, but doesn't have kids. And she must have felt... 250 years ago so unfulfilled yeah like even i know it's a stupid fictional character but it seems so sad that somebody like that it's almost like a charlotte like why where's her baby yeah she deserves a baby yeah that's true that's fun so in the 21st century we've obviously paid a lot more attention to mrs claus in books like a bit of applause for mrs claus the story of mrs claus and what does mrs claus do she is no longer a secondary character living in the shadow of her famous workaholic husband but when we look closely we can obviously see she's the keeper of the books the guardian of the stables the manager of the employees and after a 40 plus hour work week she tends to all of the domestic Household chores with precision and grace. There we go. Mrs. Claus. (laughs) I love it. I love talking Christmas stuff. Christmas is great. It makes me so happy. (laughs) I hope all of this talk with uh, throwing down the fucks and that Mm -hmm. Donner is a sucky, Mm -hmm. sucky Rudolph dad. Yeah, definitely the worst reindeer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) I know the coach Comet is pretty rough, too. (laughs) (laughs) With his baseball hat. That's what makes him a coach. So we need more drinks so we can talk about some real 
some real North women. Pole action. Real North Pole. Real women, real North Pole. It's going to get serious. Ugh. All right, we'll be right back. So exciting. Than ever, Hestruck is here. Hestruck is here. I always remember. If that's that. not Christmas, <laughs> I don't know what is. I always loved those Christmas commercials and the Coca-Cola ones with the little polar bears. Oh my gosh, yeah, those were so fucking good. Well, I saw a Coca-Cola ad slash can in the store mm-hmm. that was very. They were like changing it to be green to look Christmassy, uh-huh. and it wasn't like the cane sugar one. It was just oh. like they made it green and Christmassy, and I was like, "You're already the unofficial Christmas." Drink. I know. <sighs> Santa, the polar bears, the penguins. You don't need, and also like you don't need to take over all the Christmas colors. Yeah, like, red and white are fine. That's it. Just stop being greedy. Come on, you <laughs> already monopolized the soda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, do you want to know what you're about to drink it for this cold, cold finale? <laughs> <laughs> Is it cold? I burr. Um, it, yes, it looks really, really good. It's blue. Mm-hmm. I love blue. Mm-hmm. So tell me. Okay, so I'm calling this cocktail Below the Berg. Ooh, <laughs> like the iceberg? Uh-huh. Okay. So this is obviously Antarctica-themed um, slash North Pole-themed, ice cap-themed, basically. Okay. Um, so you have to put a ton of ice cubes in the glass, and then you are supposed to rim it with sugar. I kind of forgot to do that, so it looks a little haphazard tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it is two ounces of vodka, an ounce of blue curacao, an ounce of lemonade. And then I put um, cherry liqueur in the bottom to give it a red bottom because the women who hiked there talk about like how like you see pinks and blues and blacks and like all these crazy colors on the ice. So I kind of wanted to add a little bit of like a different color in there too. So there's red on the bottom and that's the cherry liqueur. And then you top the whole thing with champagne. And that's it. So there's the, the <laughs> there's only, a lot of alcohol. The in here. only not alcohol is lemonade. Yep, and it's only an ounce. Okay. So let's see how this. So goes. if you're a sober Sally, just get blue Kool Aid. Oh my gosh! And mix yeah. it with lemonade. Yeah, and it'll be great. Cheers. Cheers. I also feel like this drink is going to go in layers. So I feel like we're only getting champagne now. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to get into blue carousel and vodka, and then it'll hit the cherry liqueur at the bottom because that's yep. the heaviest. It's kind of like when you um mix your uh, Slurpee at Seven Eleven. Yeah. Or like when you did that science experiment as a kid where you put oil on top of water on top of dish soap. Exactly. All right. Well, what do you know about the North Pole Expedition of 1997? I know it happened in 1997. (laughs) And I knew you were doing a North Pole Expedition tonight. Uh I knew it had to do with females, but I had no idea what year until Uh you said that in the Let's Get Physical. Uh And um, I know that the top of the earth is ice caps yep and that there is a disc that like melts and moves and they have to keep adding new north pole things yep but there is not a candy cane in a house there nope. unfortunately <laughs> I, th- I thought there there should be a mailbox or something yeah, there should be uh there is a point yeah there is a north pole point and there's a north pole and then there's a magnetic north pole right so those uh two are different but we're talking about 
the very tippity top of all the lines on the globe. North 90 Pole. degrees north. Ni- exactly. 90 degrees north. See, I do know that because I teach longitude and there latitude. <laughs> Those are the lines I was talking about. Couldn't remember the name. <laughs> okay. Well, really, that's all. I don't, I don't know anything else. Fantastic. So. Is it a wild ride? It's a really crazy story. Cool. Full of twists and turns. It's an adventure story, obviously. So. I've seen Vertical Limits, but that's about Mount Everest. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> There, I was just watching um, this cl- this thing because, like, I rock climb, and I was watching this thing about, like, how ridiculous rock climbing scenes are in movies. <laughs> and it was Alex Honnold, and he was breaking them down. And <laughs> he was like, this is ridiculous. They, like, when they're, like, in the desert, and they have to, like, cut the one guy loose, he's like, what are they doing? Like, ridiculous. I didn't see the movie. I only saw that one clip. But. Uh, Vertical Limits is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Chris O'Donnell, a star, second only to Snow Dogs <laughs> with Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> yeah. And the Jamaican bobsledding team won. <laughs> That's also a good one. And Miracle. What are other cold movies? Uh, Mighty Ducks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, since, oh, so I wanted to do uh, my sources because I got mainly this from ESPN's 30 for 30 podcast. It is a great episode. Because the women themselves are, like, telling the story. So that's cool. So if you want more information, you want to listen to it, it's not that long. Women? Um, women? What? On a sports podcast? No. Why? <laughs> uh, there's an article by Jason Daly for Smithsonian Magazine that I read. And then Ann Daniels, who we'll be talking about in detail, uh, she did a really awesome TED Talk. And I got to let info from her website. So. Is she, like, the team captain? No, she just has a very surprising story and I'm very interested in her. I'm ready for it. Okay. So since 1908, journeys to the North Pole have occurred and have been disputed. I want to make that clear. Hmm. (laughs) Like the first person that ever went there. Maybe not. Yeah. They're like, you didn't fucking go. It was like, obviously like you didn't fucking make it. Hmm. As of 2014, only 53 expeditions to the North Pole have been successful and thousands have tried so it's like the boys who like don't actually have sex with a girl but then they go tell all their friends they did exactly got it the journey is dangerous and it is becoming increasingly dangerous as climate change worsens because the top of the earth is just the fucking frozen atlantic ocean and it is currently melting right causing you know higher sea like sea rise and all this awful things so but back in 1995 It was a very possible thing to do, and there was a British woman named Carolyn Hamilton, and she was hanging out with a friend of hers who was dating a polar ice explorer Hmm. named Penn Haddo. And tell me. Exactly. (laughs) I guess that's like a common name in England, Penn. I like it. I wish it was spelled with two N's, Short for Benjamin. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help myself. God, that was like the joke of the century. That was good. I was not expecting that. Congratu- congratulations. I'm glad that I my slid Christmas that in present? before 2020. <laughs> Is that my other Christmas present? Yeah, that was the surprise Christmas present you didn't know about. So... Uh, she is talking to this guy, Penn, and he had just completed, uh, a trek to the North Pole. It was a team trek. And she's like, I was sitting there and I was talking to him and he's telling me all about this trip. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. I want to do that. You know what? I can do that. And according to Penn, she left on a motorcycle, just completely clad in leather. And he was like, man, she's cool. Also, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> She's going to die. Also, 
I want this to happen and I want to help. Like Penn's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds fun. So Carolyn went off to plan the trek with some help from Penn, but a journey of this magnitude is obviously very expensive. The rough cost was about a half a million dollars. So in order to drum up funds, she decided to make it more of a spectacle. So she placed an ad in the paper for everyday ordinary women to accompany her to the North Pole. She put this ad in the Telegraph. Applications are invited from women of any age, background, and occupation, but they will have to prove fitness and commitment. They will have to put up with real pain and discomfort. They will wonder every 10 steps what they are doing, but they have the opportunity in an epic endeavor. Yo, I do that just when I get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I here? Why am I doing this? (laughs) This advertisement attracted over 200 women and 60 ended up showing up at Dartmoor National Park just a few months later to try out for the team. So 200 women applied. Six, uh, sorry, 60 women showed up to the tryouts. Some of the women who accepted the challenge were Sue Richardson, a breast cancer survivor. I think she was around like 45. Get it, girl. Victoria Humphreys, Sue's daughter, who didn't realize that her mother had joined. Apparently, she was like talking to her mom and she told her about the tryout. She's like, yeah, I'm going to apply for this thing. and It's going to be awesome. And her mother, who had just survived a double mastectomy six months before, showed up at the tryouts. And her daughter was like, what are you doing here? And she's like, you invited me. And she's like, no, I didn't invite you, mom. Like, (laughs) why would I want my mom here? (laughs) Now she's there. Now she's there. (laughs) Uh, Paula Powers was a software developer. Sue Philolove was a junior doctor. Lucy Martin was a financial journalist. There was also a police officer, a flight attendant, teachers, stay-at-home moms, and many others who were, again, not elite athletes of any kind. But the one person I want to highlight is Ann Daniels. Ann Daniels is a former bank clerk who recently had to leave her job because she had given birth to triplets. Can't even imagine. You don't even have enough boobs for that. Literally, and we're going to get into that. She said... One day, she's sitting on the floor. Her marriage is not going great. So she's already stressed out about that. She has three babies. These are 18-month-old babies. She's sitting with them on the floor. She's just kind of rolling a ball to them because what else do babies do? And she sees the ad in the paper. And her first thought was like, of course I can't do this. I'm 35. I have three babies. I've literally done nothing ever like that. I'm not even basically athletic. I've never even walked or like put on hiking boots. When I go on vacation, I sit by the pool. Like, no, this is not for me. But then again, she had three babies who were consuming her life. And she said, I would literally sit in a chair with two pillows and put a child to each breast and then a pillow on my knee and feed the third child with a bottle. Oh, my God. She's like, I felt like a milking machine. And she is just not happy. And she was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to answer this ad because this opportunity, whatever it is, might not come again. So she applied in January 1996. And her and other 60 women arrived at Dartmoor for the first round of tryouts. The weekend was cold. It was rainy and absolutely miserable. Anne, of course, was not in the best shape. And she said she cried every night after just feeling totally exhausted 
and alone and like a bad mother. Because you're gone. You feel guilty. You're babies. Serious mom guilt. Yeah, serious. So, and her rucksack was just ripping into her shoulders while she just struggled up these paths, watching these other women who, like, were younger and had had this outdoor experience, just, like, soaring ahead on these paths. And she just was like, they're up ahead singing and laughing and joking, and I am behind. I am the caboose of the train. I am fucking struggling and because she just hadn't done anything that physical in years but meanwhile carolyn's plan was working and she had attracted a lot of reporters from various papers who enjoyed as they said watching these women run around the moors in the mud pretending they were gonna go to the north pole i hate when people treat women like they're fucking children i fucking hate it it is the it's so demeaning yes it is the most um condescending thing that I can think of when people talk about adult women as if they don't know what they're saying. Exactly. Because if, if a young man was to attempt something like that and not go through with it, people would call him daring. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't say pretending to go to the North pole. Exactly. It's so frustrating. It's like, (laughs) it's so irritating. The language we use for women and men is it's I'm beside myself about it. Right. It's like, Oh, look, there's Alex Honnold just pretending that he's going to actually climb Half Dome with no ropes. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, <laughs> come on. He walked away the first time. Yeah. Because he wasn't ready. No. So. Uh, and, of course, they clung on to Anne's story, and she was all over the news. Because people just could not believe that a woman would leave her babies home like that, even though men do it all the fucking time, I also want to point out. Yeah. She then said that in the middle of one interview, in the middle of this grueling tryout weekend that was just making her miserable, they were talking to her and she realized that it wasn't just a weekend away from the kids that she wanted. It wasn't just to get out of the house or do something different. She really wanted to go to the fucking North Pole. Like, she's like, I realized in the middle of that interview you know what? I'm not just doing this for no reason. I really want to fucking go. So she knew she wasn't the best there, but she wanted to be. So after these stories started to circulate, they got some sponsors and the money for the trip started to really come in. They had another set of tryouts and they were set for September of that year. And Anne decided that she was going to take the next nine months and train like a maniac. (sighs) And she was going to make that team if it fucking killed her. How many people were they going to take? 20. Okay. And there were 60. 60. Mm-hmm. They were taking one third. Exactly. See that quick math? I did. That was nice. <laughs> so she trained. She said, I would just put my babies in the, in like the little bassinet. And she was like, and I would run around my garden <laughs> mm-hmm. for hours and hours while they slept. And, you know, she was like, I would lift anything that I could in the house. I didn't have weights. I didn't have proper training things. I didn't have literally anything. She was like, the neighbors thought I was absolutely insane. She was doing like tricep curls with canned goods. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. She was doing like real homegrown, like gym, badass workouts. So they go to training in September and they're back at the moors and she feels like a different person. And that's good because this next set of tryouts is no fucking joke. Before, it was just kind of like 
All right, let's see how far you can walk with a rucksack, like, during the day, da-da-da-da-da. But rather than doing just, like, you know, these hikes and short drills, they're being, like, woken up in the middle of the night in the dark, and they line them up on the moor, and they say, yeah, there's some kind of, there's, like, a, a, a Range Rover out in the, on the moor. Go find it. Run to it. Run back in the dark in the middle of the night. And she just kept saying, like, I was running, and I was running, and I just... I kept telling myself, like, then they kept yelling at me to pace myself, pace myself, but I didn't know how to pace myself. And it's just like, I'm running with marathon runners and they know how to pace themselves. And like, I'm just thinking, oh my God, I'm making a huge mistake. But then every step she's like, but I really wanted to get there. I really wanted to keep going. So I'm blown away by her. I know she's amazing. She's crazy. And I want to make it clear too, that this next round of tryouts was difficult for everyone so the first one like the more athletic women were like oh this is easy i got this whatever and she said she went from being like you know the real slow poke to just being one of the regular women in this next one mm-hmm. um but she and 19 other women survived the second tryouts and were chosen to go to the north pole as part of the mcvites penguin polar relay when ann first heard this ad for this trek her children are only a year and a half old, but by February 28th, 1997, she found herself saying goodbye to her three three-year-olds. Oh, man. To go do something insane. You mean to set a great example for her children. <laughs> exactly. About how to live your goddamn life. Exactly. And she said, I was sobbing, I was crying, and then I was like, I can't let the last vision my kids possibly see of me i might die on this trip Uh be of their mother crying so she put it together she was like i'm so happy and then she said she completely fell apart obviously when she left them Mm -hmm. but she knew it was the right thing for her to do right she had worked so hard she worked so hard so the journey to the north pole takes a long time so they were doing it thankfully for all the people involved because they're all amateurs in a relay so five teams of four women each would take three weeks to hike to station points where they would pass off the baton, which they made the baton. I love this. A little stuffed penguin. Oh, the next team. So to get to the North pole, you first have to get to resolute a tiny community in the far northernmost reaches of Canada. So at resolute, the women met their guides. These guides. I love this story. So apparently over a few pints, this man named Paul Landry and our old friend friend Penn Haddo got to talking about this all-female expedition so they're in this bar and Penn is like I'm so excited this all-woman team is gonna fucking hike to the North Pole like he's psyched on this he's all in and Paul Landry Laundry whatever his name is is like oh my gosh my wife should totally guide them she's like the most badass ice person ever like if they want to survive on the ice they gotta totally go with my wife and Penn is like, all right, let's fucking do it. So Paul goes home and he tells his 45-year-old wife, Maddie McNair, which I love a girl named Maddie. It oh, is yeah. with T's too. Ooh, Natty. Natty. Yes. He tells her the deal and he's like, you know, you're the only one who can get them there alive. And she was like, <laughs> okay. And he's like, no, you should fucking do this. And she's like, Okay, but I got to get my girl Denise in on this. And she calls up her friend and mentor, Denise Martin, who was a well-experienced Arctic guide 
who had lived in the Yukon, probably with Yukon Cornelius. Absolutely with Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> so Denise is on board. Maddie's on board. We've got our Arctic guides. And I these, love that. They're female Arctic guides. They're female so Arctic it's guides. An actual female. They tour. are two of the most experienced Arctic guides in the world at this point. They know what they're fucking doing. We are doing a lot of F words today. Listen, Um, (laughs) happy fucking Christmas. (laughs) But neither of them had ever been to the North Pole. So they were really excited because a very, very few women have been to the North Pole. And no all-woman team has ever made the trip. So Jeff Summers is the only, like, kind of only and final man in the plan. It was his job to kind of make sure that when these women got to Resolute, he went over basic survival skills with them yeah and uh, i think because they wouldn't die in the arctic so they wouldn't die in the arctic <laughs> i think it's important that like we point out that every person that ever does anything in those types of circumstances has a guide like yeah. the the people who climb mount everest you go with a tibetan guide oh yeah so you're not allowed to do that alone <laughs> yeah like edmund hillary may have been like the first englishman to the top but he was with like a Tibetan guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody ever talks about the Tibetan people that go to the er, Mount Everest. All the time. All the time. They live on its foothills. Oh and the gosh. same is true of the North Pole. You have so many yeah. people who, like, they guide the the hikers there. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's also true of non-cold places like the Amazon. Yeah. So, and exactly. safaris and, like, things like that. We just, we always talk about All the people who made the trip, but not the people who are so experienced that they're helping the people make the trip. Exactly. So I wanted to point that out, that it's not like these women needed a guide because they were dumb. Yeah. Everybody Everyone gets one. needs one. <laughs> so Jeff Summers is telling them all these things, like, please do this, don't do this. And he just kept thinking to himself, oh, my gosh, most of these women haven't been outside of London. Like, what the fuck am <laughs> I doing? <laughs> but on March 14th, 1997, they dropped off the first crew on the ice. For the first three-week section of the trek, Maddie McNair and Denise, Claire Fletcher, Sue Fullilove, Jan McCormick, and Ann Daniels watched the plane leave and felt so alone. <laughs> to quote Ann, she said, And the ice is, it's everything. It's sharp. It's jagged harsh lines it's soft beautiful undulating snow it's crystals where the sun glints on the crystals of the ice and it reflects in different colors so you see the pastels the pinks the blues and the ice itself can be frosted white or aquamarine clear blue because the thing about the arctic is that it's literally a giant sheath of ice it's there's no land frozen ocean there's no land underneath of it it's a frozen ocean And it's covered with these mountains made of ice. So they move. And they said, you're on this ice and it moves while you're standing there. And sometimes it moves so, like big chunks of it move so slowly and quickly at the same time that it sounds like a train is coming. Uh Which is horrifying. How eerie. How do you sleep (laughs) on that? So when doing a trek like this, you aren't just walking on the ice. You have these large skis attached to your feet. So you're kind of cross-country skiing. You have snowshoes. You have these huge snowsuits on that you can't really take off. You will be in these clothes the entire time without showering. Twelve petticoats. Mm-hmm. You have 12 petticoats on. You are 
also connected to a small boat, which you must drag behind you the entire time. And that boat contains everything you need to survive. Mm. These are called pulks or sledges. And so they're these like little boats with these like red bottoms and they typically float, but they can also sink. And if they sink and you are attached to it, you will die and drown in the Arctic. Why would it sink? Because they're heavy, because they have all that shit on them. Oh, so and like if, if they it caps- goes through the ice. At a weird angle and capsizes. You get pulled in. You get too. pulled in. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Because it's literally tethered to your back the whole time. Okay. And these can weigh hundreds of pounds. So. You go down with the Norwals mm-hmm. into whale unicorn land. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but they're doing it. They're hiking. Doing it. They doing are it zigzagging it across the ice. And so now we're going to jump to March 26th. They've been on the ice for 12 days now. And it's typically around negative 34 degrees Celsius. Oh, it was like 31 today in Maryland. I and I was like, and I was really why upset. is it so cold? <laughs> so at some trekking. point your body just has to be like, okay. I know. It ha- yeah, it has to. And you're probably so sweaty well, from moving. Yep. Exactly. It's still fucking cold though. It's really fucking cold. So... The ice is shifting as normal on this day, March 26th, but suddenly, and like they walk in a line, you know, so they're not just Uh all like random, like they walk in a line together, but they're kind of far apart because some people are faster or slower than others. So Anne is looking up and she sees the person in front of her, Claire. She sees Claire's foot break the ice. Oh no. And she's looking and she's like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden, without even her being able to think about it, her foot breaks through. And Claire had managed to get ahead of the cracks, but Anne is suddenly in the water. Claire in front of her couldn't see her. And the women behind her only saw that she had stopped. And Anne is screaming, but no one can hear her. Because, again, this is the Arctic. When the wind blows, it's like... It's blowing snow and ice, so you just cannot see ahead of you. So she's screaming. No one can hear her. Wait, her one foot's in the water or her whole body? Her whole body's in the water right now. Jesus Christ. She reaches up. She grabs onto this boulder of ice and lifts herself out. But that ice cracked, and she it just completely breaks off, and she slides back into the water. She tried a second time, and the same thing happened. She's trying to stay calm, but she's scared and she's alone right now. And she knows that if any water breaks through her suit and she gets wet, she will die. Hypothermic. Immediately. Immediately. And so she finally manages to get out of the water, but she has to act quickly because she cannot let the water on her suit freeze either. Yeah. So Maddie finally gets to her and she's yelling at her. She's like, roll in the snow, roll in the snow. It's kind of like when you're in fire. She's like, stop, drop and roll. Because since the Arctic is like a desert, but opposite, it's ice, the snow is really, really dry, so it absorbs the moisture. And so she rolls around the snow, and it successfully absorbs all the water, and so there's no water in her snowsuit anymore, which is really good. Downy Paper Towels needs to contact the Arctic. (laughs) (laughs) So the girls are in a crowded around her, helping her with her boots and changing her socks, and... They're feeling scared, but also just so grateful that Anne is okay. And they look over to the hole where Anne almost like fucking died. And a little seal pops its Ah! head out (laughs) as if to say, hey, I'm glad you're okay. 
And they said it just brought them like this little bit of joy before they had to get themselves together and get moving because Anne had to warm up again. She had to get moving. And there's just no time in the Arctic to decompress after a near-death experience. You have to keep moving. Also, joy, the seal's probably there because the ice is thin enough for them to breathe through it. (laughs) Like, they could get up. Yep. (laughs) Go to a new spot. (laughs) So... Anne's cold and her entire body hurt, but she knew she had to keep going. To get through the rest of that journey, she just kept chanting the names of her children. She'd say, Lucy, Joseph, Rachel, Lucy, Joseph, Rachel, Lucy, Joseph, Rachel. And it worked. They kept moving. And on March 30th, 1997, they finished the first leg of the relay journey. And they passed off the penguin baton to the next group. They had just gone 56 nautical miles across one of the harshest environments in the world in 17 days. And I want to say, too, they say that the first leg of the journey to the North Pole is the hardest. And I wonder if it's because you're still kind of a little down south, so you're getting two different climates meeting. Mm. So it's still like below 34, but I wonder if you're getting kind of humidity and moisture from the land of Canada. You know right. what I'm saying? And that's why it's a little more unstable. Because I feel like the further north you go, you know, those possibilities become less mm. of like, you know. And there's three legs. Yeah, there's, no, there's five. And there's so five they legs. would pass the baton. Did they switch every other leg? No, each team would just go one. So now okay. Anne is done. Got it. Yep. So this was the only part that Anne did. It's a relay. Okay. So because... These are amateurs. They don't know what they're doing. They and a lot of people thing. do this. It's not just because they're oh, yeah, women. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? I mean, that seems like a pretty common, like, okay, we'll drop yeah, you off. exactly. And pick up where they left off. So. I think people do that with the Appalachian Trail, too. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Oh, like the Pacific. Oh, definitely the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah, that yeah, trail, yeah. That trail is fucking nuts. People even do it with the um, Great Wall of China. Oh, really? It's super long. Yeah. If you want to walk the whole thing, you'll do, like, a relay. You can, like, pass off. So they finally get done, but Anne didn't want to leave. She got to the end and she felt this really extreme depression because she didn't want to leave the ice. She just totally fell in love with the environment. And this feeling was only made worse when the plane that was going to take them away came and they picked them up. Everyone was so excited. They're going to get warm again. And everyone had letters from their family except Anne, every single person. And this is when she knew that her marriage was over. She was like, well, I guess I'm getting divorced when I go back. She felt like she was experiencing like two breakups in that day. It's her eat, pray, love moment. Yeah. I mean, like she was experiencing breaking up with the ice in the North Pole and breaking up with her husband. I mean, all she had left with her right now is the memories of her ice and these three babies to go home to. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard because when you accomplish something really big, I know a lot of people go through this when they, after their PhD, Mm. it's like called the PhD blues. Like Mm -hmm. you do something really big and you realize, oh, but I'm just still the same person. Mm -hmm. Like nothing about me is different. And you expect this like big difference and it's not there. And I'm sure that's probably how she was feeling like i've accomplished this amazing thing but i'm still ann daniels yeah i still have three children and a yeah. husband i'm not 100 percent happy with and like i might have done something awesome but that doesn't erase everything else right absolutely um, yeah because it's just a horrible feeling 
So I know like a lot of like college students like experience that. Oh yeah. Like even like with undergrad, it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm done. Right. No more deadlines. <laughs> what now? What now? Yeah. <laughs> um. But there was still four more legs to go of the Arctic journey. So the next group was off and they marched 72 nautical miles and handed the penguin off to the third group, which included mother daughter teams, Sue and Victoria, Paula power and Lynn Clark. They set off on April 12th, but on April 20th, a terrible storm had hit the ice. It made the conditions much too dangerous to walk. So they just took a day off and they stayed inside the tents, which was like really nice at first because they were like, we just got to hang out and make some food and play some games and like not be freezing for 24 hours. (laughs) That was really nice. Like it's still fucking cold, but not as cold. (laughs) They even got to make, uh, they made chocolate shortbread out of like whatever they had. It kind of reminds me of like how like people in prison are like, oh yeah, I made like cheesecake in prison. Yeah. Or a shank. (laughs) Well, how, like, you learn how to cook with what you have. Right. You know, so they made chocolate shortbread. Me my taco seasoning this exactly. week. Exactly. <laughs> All comes full circle. So um, they got the next morning, and the conditions are nice. They're ready to hike again. But they realized that they had slid nearly 20 nautical miles away from their path. They oh, had just shit. slid in the night. Can you even imagine? Sliding. Sliding. They didn't like t- hunker themselves down with some d- pins. Well, I don't know because I don't know if I couldn't tell like if they were like literally sliding on the ice or, or like the, the ice, ice caps were moving, moving and they didn't realize like, but 20 miles in one night they slid and they had already tried to walk so far. I know. <laughs> so they're suddenly in this like misty area far away from they needed to be, but they had to keep going. So they set off. But since everything had shifted so much, Sue, the mother um, who just survived cancer, is walking, and she said all of a sudden the ice just disintegrated underneath of her, and she is suddenly completely in the water. Her daughter, Victoria, sees her, and she just, like, runs to her, and her and Maddie are going, and they just see her kind of slipping, and they're like, ski, 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 like, go faster to just ski away, but she's falling way too quickly. And Victoria said, I was thinking, oh, my God, my mom survived cancer, and now she's going to die in the fucking Arctic. Because I invited her here. Exactly. I faux invited her. accidentally invited her. (laughs) And then suddenly, Victoria slips into the water. And then to make matters worse, worse, Denise falls in. The other guide. And Maddie's alone? Yes. And Maddie is the only guide not in the water. Three out of six people, half the people, are in the below- Freezing, negative 45 degree Arctic water. And the plates are shifting apart. And they're strapped to those fucking sleds with all of their supplies. So if the sleds make it into the water and start going down, they are fucked. And they just really can't, like, help them too much like the other women because... Then where they might at, fall in. Right. Where they're at is thin ice. So the ice is fragile and they could all end up in the water, which would mean death for all of them right after a few horrifying minutes they are in this arctic water for minutes sue and victoria finally drift over to solid ice and maddie pulls them out denise however drifts over to the other side of the ice because now it's kind of like a river and the other women paula and lynn help her out denise is 
screaming in pain. She's scared. She lost her skis and her boots in the water. Oh, so her feet are her feet cold. are freezing. But this is not their biggest problem right now. Their biggest problem is that when the ice broke, it caused a literal river to run between the three women and the other three women, and they can't get to each other. Sue had also lost a boot, so now we're dealing with lots of lost gear. They don't know how to get across, so they just wrap their feet up in whatever they fucking have, and they just keep walking to try and get back to each other. So they're kind of like on each side, walking along, trying to find some sort of ice bridge to get across. But, of course, they don't come across an ice bridge. They come across a wide junction. So the people on, on the one side are like, well, our path goes this way and your path goes this way. And now we literally cannot get to each other because we're going to be going completely opposite directions. But suddenly the ice started shifting again, like it does in these Arctic poles. And within a few short time frames, things started to freeze over again. And they were able to like get on this shifting ice and get across and get the group back together. Thank God. I'm like holding my breath. I know. I'm not talking. I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I felt when I was like, because I'm listening to like them tell the story. And I'm like, (gasps) how did you survive? This is like horizontal limits. It's (laughs) flat limits. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So they set up camp. And by the next morning, the entire river that had nearly killed them was frozen over again. But the the ice had, like, pushed up their gear, so they said it was, like, frozen, like, ice sculptures all across this, like, tundra. So they were, like, their boots were just out for Yeah, the like, taking. their boots, their skis, like, their whatever. It's, like, I don't, I can't even imagine. I wish, like, I could have seen, like, pictures of it, because I just can't imagine it, you I know? I bet it was Mrs. Claus's rainbow chickens that put it there. Those sneaky bastards. <laughs> So Maddie, like a badass, takes her axe and she chops out their gear and they get their gear back and the group kept moving. On April 29th, they reached their destination, handed off the penguin and were off to recover from their traumatic trip on the ice. Sue later wrote in her diary that falling in the water was the worst day of her life. Worse than finding out that she had cancer. She said, quote, Cancer is something you can't see, but in the Arctic, the reality is right there in front of you and there's no escape, which I like kind of get, you know, it's like with something like a disease, it's like, I know it's in my body. And like, I feel like sometimes that can be more scary of like, I don't know what it's doing or where it is. Mm -hmm. But then like when you are trapped in water with, like, potential polar bears around you that could kill you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, that's really fucking scary. And, I mean, the I, I mean anything. Orcas, polar bears, oh, yeah. seals bite. Like, mm-hmm. things are things are wild up there. But also, um, like, I think cancer's not a choice. Mm-mm. Right? And, like, going on this oh, yeah. Arctic journey was. And yeah. then I think the idea of dying in front of your child oh, yeah. would be also horrifying. So you're there, like, you. I don't want my daughter to come after me because I don't want her to die. But I yeah. also don't want her to see me die. Oh, my gosh. And then her and then daughter's in the water. water. Yeah. Ugh. That's, like, that's too much. That's like, a lot wrapped into one. Because then the two of you, if, if either one of you die, then you'll never forgive yourself oh, for, like, not. the way it happened. So yeah. I'm sure the guilt and trauma wrapped up in that experience is so much like 
higher caliber than cancer because you didn't choose cancer. Yep. Like cancer occurred. Yep. Exactly. Uh, also, though, if you do an amazing thing and something happens to you, as long as you weren't being reckless, like, yeah, that's also not your fault. No, it's not. Like you had a guide, you had training. Yeah. I think a lot of times people will get into those really like hardcore situations and it's like, well, why did they put themselves in a situation like that if they were a mother? And it's like, well, maybe that's a weird way to look at it. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> every, every person on this planet is either a child or a parent, mm -hmm. like all of us. So you can put yourself in situations. Yeah. It's okay. It's true. So, um, the next group made their journey with no prominent issues. And then it was time for the final leg of the journey. Lucy Martin, Palm Oliver, which I love her name is just P O M Palm, <laughs> Zoe Hudson and Carolyn Hamilton, the organizer of this whole excursion set off with 110 miles left to go. And May 26th, 1997, on Denise's birthday, <gasps> the first all-female relay team completed the 500-mile trek and reached the North Pole. And it's so great because Maddie and Denise went through the whole thing, you know, so they did not get picked up and dropped back off. They were which I think is person, incredible. Right? Or were they with They were together crew? with every crew holy fuck 500 miles 500 miles with inexperienced hikers and they started in march and it is now let's see may and that sounds That's a lot horrendous i would be like drunk husband next time you come yep. home from the bar with an idea i'm gonna no, put you in no. front of the dartboard <laughs> i'm done with you <laughs> Well, it's funny, too, because Maddie and Denise, who, again, had guided the entire trip, said that you get there and, like, you're like, oh, my gosh, we're here. And your feelings are proud of yourself, but it's also kind of a funny feeling because you accomplish this thing and you're literally at the top of the world. But it's just a point, so it doesn't look any different from the shit <laughs> from that you've been other. seeing for 500 miles. <laughs> I mean, at least it's not like a mountain and you have to, like, walk back down. But that's the thing. It, that's very true. <laughs> But they were saying, like, when you get to the top of Mount Everest, you stand at the top and you look at, like, this mountain that you just conquered. And it's, like, this thing that, like, wow, I did this. And at the North Pole, it's like, yeah, more ice. Fantastic. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I kind of wish Mrs. Claus was here to, like, give me some goddamn hot chocolate. <laughs> Where the hell Where is she? are the elves? <laughs> And it's just, like, underwhelming and overwhelming at the same time. And they didn't know what to do, so they just started singing the British National Anthem. <laughs> and it's Hail so to the Queen. I yep. just think it's so cute. And especially, like, hearing the footage of them finishing the trip. They're at the literal top of the world. So they're at the starting point of every time zone. So Carolyn was there at every day at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is Carolyn Hamilton running around. She goes, I'm in the same time zone as London. And if I keep walking around this way in a circle, I'm going to be walking through all the time zones in the world. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. I think I'm in Moscow now. <laughs> and then Maddie said, if I run around the North Pole kind of clockwise, will I get younger? If I stay over here, it's tomorrow. If I go over here, it's yesterday. Like, they were just having such a good time and probably, like, so delirious, too. Like, <laughs> I So every year, students ask, have theories about the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, well, we'd know already. 
we're so far from the international dateline yeah. that like if there's a specific day when the world ends that's true we would know i've never thought about the fact that having a date for the world ending is so stupid because we have different dates <laughs> God damn it. It's in the middle of the Pacific fucking ocean. <laughs> we would know 12 hours ahead. <laughs> All the time. I love it. I'm like, meh. I don't know. We'd Y2K be going. is a joke. <laughs> Everybody sits by their TVs, crosses their fingers. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. If it doesn't happen in Thailand, we're good. <laughs> so... They did the thing. Many of the women settled back into their lives, but for others, it was a real game changer. I mean, for Victoria, she ended up quitting her job, breaking up with her boyfriend, and just changing her whole life. She moved out of London. She just was on the ice, and she was like, I don't love him. I don't want to marry him. I don't like living in London anymore. I want a new job. Like, I want a new job. I want a new location. She was just, like, done with it all. And (laughs) And, of course, for Anne... She hadn't left her husband. He actually left her while she was trekking to the North Pole. But she said, I hadn't been happy for a while. It makes sense that we were not together. But it also was really stressful coming back to being a single mother of triplets. Wait, so like bitch ass moved out while she was gone? Yes. Because he didn't even take care of the fucking children when she was gone. This is the bullshit. Was it grandma? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So her mother took the children he wasn't even watching the triplets. Three-year-old triplets as a grandma. Three-year-old triplets. <laughs> Mommy's meeting Santa Claus. I just can't even imagine. And then he is just like, I don't like this. And just leaves her and, like, serves her divorce papers while she's in the fucking Arctic. <laughs> what a dickhead. Sign girl. What Sign a dickhead. <laughs> so, but she's back to her old life. She's feeling depressed, but she is like, you know what? I don't care that I am suddenly back single mother of triplets with no money. She's like, I'm still going to change my life. So she calls up friends from her, the first trek. And she said, I want to go back to the Arctic. She was like, what if we did the first all British female expedition to the South pole? No. So she gets together five of the same women who are like four plus her. Going the to same the women Antarctic. going to the Antarctic. <laughs> she said they taught themselves in the months leading up to their trip how to navigate with the sun. And they went down to the fucking South Pole and they walked for 61 days across Antarctica and accomplished their journey. They made it to the South Pole, too. Uh-huh. No way. Because the South Pole is actually, I think from what I was reading, it's it's easier because it's All more penguins, consistent. No polar bears. Exactly. No <laughs> polar land. bears. There's land. And there's, the ice is more consistent. Uh-huh. So I was watching these videos of these people and they're literally like jumping over like crevasses and then having like tug their little boat behind them. But with the Arctic, it's all frozen still, you know? So yeah. it's like pretty easy, you know, goings. So they do this. But Anne wasn't done there. She wanted to go back to the North Pole and do the whole fucking thing. So she asked Pom, who I thought her name was so cute before, and (laughs) Carolyn, who organized the whole first trip, if they wanted to do it the whole way. And they were like, I don't know. You know, yeah, let's do it. So so they planned and trained for over a year to make the journey. And in 2002, they embarked on their second trip to the North Pole – with their sledges in tow, but this time, since there wasn't, like, more people to share the weight, their 
little boat slip weighed three hundred pounds, and they're just dragging and them. They're them? just dragging them. That's mayhem. Unbelievable. And these are like in temperatures also further below than what they had experienced the first time. It was negative forty two and between like negative forty two and negative fifty six degrees. And with wind chill, it got down to negative seventy. Their equipment was just freezing all the time. I don't understand that. Wind chill, I don't understand. I don't want anything to do Every with it. Every time the news comes on and they're like, it's 30 degrees today. Feels like 10. And I know. Like, so, it, so it's 10. So it's 10. Just say it's 10. <laughs> tell me I need like a hat and gloves. Just tell me that. Earmuffs even. <laughs> like tell why. Feels like. Tell me I need to take a shot of whiskey before I leave the house. It will warm me up. Let me know. <laughs> WBAL. My God. So. It's really frustrating. <laughs> really frustrating. So, <laughs> and since they were traveling further and had to make more apt decisions as to what they bring than the first time, she says they had to sacrifice some things, and one of them was toilet paper. <gasps> so they literally wiped their butts with ice wedges. You're, that's horrible. She's doing her TED talk, and she was like, we had to wipe our butts with ice wedges. And she goes, and everybody's like, oh my. And everybody's like, woo, or like whatever. And she's like, I did that. Like, and she just kind of mumbles <laughs> it under her breath. And she's like, yeah, I did that. And I was like, oh my God. I'm trying to understand. Okay, so like, I don't want to understand. Nope. I don't want any part of I'm that. I'm trying to decide what's better. Wiping your butt with ice wedges or wiping your butt with a leaf, unidentified leaf from the Amazon. If you're in one of two places. Okay. Or sand in the Sahara. What's worse? Mm, oh, I think sand in the Sahara That's is the, worst? the absolute worst. What's the best? The best is the leaf in the forest. You because think? you're only taking a slim chance of it giving you something itchy. <laughs> I feel like Arctic <laughs> ice is really fucking bad. And it's not like warm enough to melt on you so you can clean it off. Like, or maybe it does. Uh, that's maybe like, it I like think, melts on I you. I think I would do like a scoop of snow. Cup it and up. And then I'd cup it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of your legacy. And it's like, that is not how it works. <laughs> Listen, I'm playing Listen. that segment at your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be tomorrow. Listen, if somebody I shouldn't just, say that, knock on. God. Is that wood? Knock on know. Ikea. Knock on Ikea. <laughs> knock I on know. the nutcrackers. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody doesn't play a montage of my quotes from this podcast <laughs> at my funeral, then I haven't lived. <laughs> okay. But the ice wedge toilet paper is not the worst part of this trip shockingly what's the worst part they encountered three big storms during this trip which caused travel issues i thought you were gonna say like three big shits a monster (laughs) i just want one yeti Um, (laughs) thank you (laughs) that's what i was waiting for but there were also multiple health issues they all had a little bit of carbon monoxide poisoning and frostbite. Did they park their cars in the garage too long? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm no radon mm-hmm. testing I in forget, the Arctic. <laughs> I forget what caused the carbon monoxide poisoning. I read it and was like, I don't need to put that in. I probably should have. Um, no, we don't so need to know. So they all had frostbite, but Palms was the worst. 
fucking and put up a picture of Palm's frostbitten toes during her TED talk. And did the toes have to be amputated? No, thank God. And they also had gangrene, so I don't know how they didn't need to be amputated, but Palm was okay. But Anne was like, yeah, I know this is horrible and disgusting, but she was like, Palm went through a lot, so I'm just going to leave this up here because what you're experiencing now is nothing near to what she was experiencing in the Arctic. Because she trekked for... 47 days with frostbitten toes and gangrene. I can't imagine. Because it isn't like, I mean, frostbite, like, you, you pretty much your extremities freeze so much that the blood can't get to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, your your veins are frozen. Yeah. And so your your body's literally dying off of you. Exactly. That horrible is. And there were just, like, these open sores all over her toes. It's just disgusting. Sorry, everyone who's listening to this. Merry Christmas. So, <laughs> meh. Merry Christmas. Casey loves to sing that. And I go, Casey, the song is Happy Birthday. And he goes, I like it better that way. Merry Christmas. Listen, Skateland should fix it up. <laughs> Do yeah. <laughs> so, she tracked with frostbitten and gangrene toes for 47 days. What is gangrene? Don't know. Me neither. That's Don't want to know, honestly. I know that it was the gangrene gang was a thing in Powerpuff Girls, but that's, like, all I know. I think it's, like, when you get, like, a flesh-eating bacteria or something like that. I'm down for that. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) (laughs) But when the supply plane came to them, Pom had to make the difficult decision to give up her dream of completing the trek so that Carolyn and Anne could finish. So she had to leave? She was like, I'm just going to slow you guys down. I might really really get fucked up later on she was like this isn't good i want you guys to finish it's okay if i don't so they continued through the snow and ice and even water during this trek because now it's a little later on and the polar ice caps are already melting a little bit so they had to swim across certain channels they had to swim they had these like really fancy suits she like told she like was talking about like the guy who designed them and like you can get into the water in these ones a little bit easier but they walked skied and swam for 15 miles a day talk about a triathlon exactly but they eventually made it and they had become the first all women's team in the world to go to both poles a feat that has never been repeated. In 2005, she attempted the journey solo from Russia. This is Anne. But after 21 days, 175 miles, and five polar bear encounters, (gasps) there was one tracking her. She said, I didn't shake this polar bear for three days. What What is wrong with Russian polar bears? I don't know. They're drunk. So, <laughs> vodka. <laughs> so she, after all this, the Russian government was like, we're pulling all your permits. And she was not allowed to finish the trip. Then our old pal. Thanks, Putin. Pen Haddo. <laughs> not Putin. <laughs> Pen Haddo contacted Anne and asked her if she would lead a scientific polar ice excursion. Penn was like, we're going up there to do these, all these experiments. But he was like, I'm going to be really busy with the experiments. They were, like, attempting to, like, determine the thickness of the ice or something like that. And he was like, I'm just not going to be able to navigate. So will you 
navigate our trip to in the Arctic. And she was like, yeah, I'll fucking do that. So she navigated with a map, the sun, and a watch. And she led a team of scientists on a 75-day journey on the ice. After this, she met her new partner, Tom, and they had a little girl named Sarah. So now she's a mother of four. And then soon after that, Penn called her up again to lead another trek in 2009 and then again in 2011. Anne is now one of the most decorated and experienced polar guides on the planet. She has broken world records. She is a prolific speaker on climate change, and she uses her knowledge and firsthand experiences to lecture on not only the melting ice, but how the chemistry of the ocean is changing and becoming more acidic and corroding the planet. She works with NASA, the European Space Agency, and the National and Oceanic Administration to continue important research and learn about our polar ice caps and what is happening to our planet. I'm obsessed with her. I know. (laughs) She's amazing. (laughs) Trips to the North Pole are becoming increasingly difficult, and soon it will be literally impossible to make the trip because the ice is melting at an alarming rate. Well, it won't be land anymore. It won't we've, be. We've assumed the ice as land for so long. Yeah. So Anne will probably retain her titles. <laughs> but she is also going to keep going and keep pushing towards her goal to stop this damage to the earth from going any further. Because she wants people to, like, go up. She wants women to, like, beat her records and, like, go accomplish these things that she's done, too. She wants more people to fall in love with the ice and care about it as much as she does. And But all she's got is just these amazing explorations and her fucking literal homemade skills. I I find that so fascinating because I I know... Recently, we've been doing, like, a lot of people who, like, got really, really famous and or popular in their late 20s or early 30s. Yeah. So I've been in, like, this place of, like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm done? Mm -hmm. Is that it? This is it? Mm -hmm. Like, this is my life? And then you hear stories like this where it's just, like, she didn't have a fancy degree. No. She didn't have anything. She just had determination and just, it. she didn't. Get lucky. That's the best part about it. Mm -hmm. She went and she was like, I'm going to go to this thing. She realized she wasn't fit enough. So she took her time and got fucking fit and then came back and won her way onto this journey just by being a badass. Dude, she left high school at the age of 16. Yeah. She didn't like, she didn't finish high school. She didn't go to like, she was just working at a bank and then had a bunch of kids. Like I'm just obsessed with the fact that she is like one of the most like just self-made women. Like she reminds me of Jane Goodall. Yes. Oh, so much. God. So much. Like, I don't have a degree, and I just, this is what I'm passionate. And I think that with the Jane Goodall story, it's like, oh, that's how it used to be, but now women are supposed to be just as good as, but no, this happened in the 90s. This is the 90s and 2000s. Like, I was alive during all of this. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm I'm in love with it. I think it's very, I'm I'm very excited about her story because I knew nothing about her. And I, I love the idea that it wasn't some, like, badass hiker woman. Yes. Because I pictured, like, some really experienced, like, I know. Hiker women. And I just, I just, I think it's amazing that 
just 18 months after like giving birth to triplets and just being home alone with them she was like i'm gonna fucking change my life yo i had one kid and was like this sucks <laughs> i guess three <laughs> three put you over three is over the limit you are a <laughs> dui three it was <laughs> driving under the influence of children <laughs> driving under infants <laughs> Now we're ready for a little segment we like to call All I Want for Christmas is to Ooh, baby. Where we talk about these two women in conversation with each other. <laughs> well, listen, I cannot get over the fact that she rode off on a fucking motorcycle. I know! Because that's what was happening with like mrs claus with the helicopter she was like in conversation with a man i know and then just like went off on her badass machinery well and also it makes me think about the difference between these two stories of like mrs claus feels like she needs to like hide her accomplishments and like hide her fucking work and these women are like, I don't give a shit whether you're in or not, but, like, we're doing it. And then that guy, Penn, was like, no, I'm all in. He's like, I'm afraid. I'm nervous. But I'm in. I'm going to support you guys, and I'm going to help you, like, get funding, get people. Like, I'm going to show up for it. I'm going to show up for it. Let's talk about Whereas a male feminist. Will Santa Claus show up? Santa's, that is the hard question. Santa needs to show. Will he show up? I don't know. I don't either. I adored the fact that Anne had three children and we talked about mrs santa claus in the conversation of being barren and yeah. even like in this new cartoon movie klaus they show the, the male figure crying because he can't have kids like he's having an Ugh. emotional breakdown like so they are together childless and Anne is in the complete opposite space where she's like i had these babies i thought i loved this man and now i have these babies alone and i don't know what to do so they're just on opposite ends of the spectrum and both perfectly acceptable emotions yeah i i am so there for a woman who can't have kids and is like I can't be around any woman that has babies right now. Mm -hmm. Please leave me alone. And I'm also so there for a woman who has so many kids that they're just like, fuck my life. I haven't slept in two years. Right. Or even one kid. Because yeah. I wonder, like, did Anne suffer from, like, postpartum depression? And she was like, I, like, because that's the thing. Or even the baby I feel blues. Like, yeah. Because I feel like when women have children and like you know some experience just the baby blues some experience postpartum depression obviously i don't know anything about this but like i feel like people think oh then you don't love your kids and right. it's like no, no 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 like the love is there i'm just experiencing some really intense hormonal like depressive like shit that like is complicated and don't tell me i don't love my kids just right. because this is happening to me and like I feel like Anne was experiencing that tenfold because then she like did go off and do this thing. That's like, why does my love for myself and wanting to do this thing equal me not loving my children? And I loved that you explained her crying, like when she was getting ready to leave, because I know like your first day back to work after maternity leave, you can't wait to go back. You're nervous. You're excited. Mm -hmm. You want to see your friends. You want to mm -hmm. see your boss. You want to be in your place. You want to have a minute to pee without somebody <laughs> clinging to your boob. Yeah. But then at the same time, you were just 
all day anytime you have a minute by yourself crying because yeah. you're like i'm missing something yep i should be there i'm supposed to be there so it's just such an intense moment and to think like the idea of the clauses is that they watch children all yeah. year when you're not there is so neat like we see you yeah. when you're sleeping we know when you're awake like your mom's gone at the north pole and i live at the north pole but i can see you when she can't but also like the thing of like fucking sally buttermilk and like are you trying to be better or are you just being terrible <laughs> and like it kind of reminds Sally me of Buttermilk. like cheers to you girl <laughs> cheers to Sally man that was all me um trying to control her temper trying to control my temper and just doing a shit job girl of it. why do you think I included that quote <laughs> <laughs> Sally Buttermilk my literal childhood bedroom door does not have a doorknob on, knob on it just not because my parents took it no. away because I was bad but because I slammed the door so many times it broke off it fell off it, it, it broke off of the house. <laughs> Man, I was a monster. Um, but also, I'm thinking about this in a broader context of, so I'm not a mother. Mm -hmm. You are. Mm -hmm. Does this hit home for you in the idea of, like, women without children judging other people's children mm. without having the firsthand experience? That's that is such an interesting point that I didn't think of. Um, it's funny because I don't think I ever care if people judge my children. Okay, I care if people judge me. You okay? So like, if my teacher is like, "Your daughter was being a jackass today," I'm like, "Yeah, give it to her." Yeah, like <laughs> take away recess. Was a book. <laughs> like hit her. Like, oh, yes, like don't hit her. No, but. <laughs> But like I like if it's like for on example the, on the rocks is officially anti corporal punishment <laughs> sold separately. <laughs> oh my God, do not eat. Um, so I think like if, if somebody came to me and was like, "Your kid didn't turn this in; they turned it in late." So like I'm gonna have to give them fifty percent. I'd be like, "No, fail them. Right? They should get a zero. Yeah. Like I'm all in on other people helping me rear my children. Yeah. Which is what I think the goal of the clauses is. I mean, okay. in real life, they're just child bear bearing helpers. But I think the issue is most often people don't judge your children. They don't look at a kid and go, they're upset because they haven't slept. They're tired. They don't understand hormones. They look and they go, God, that mother must not know how to reel it in. That mother must not mm. know how to discipline her child. So everything comes back to the mother's fault, even though there are two parents. Yeah. And it's not the mother's fault. Like, that's a little person. Yep. And I think kids are treated, like, bad a lot. And mm -hmm. I, I enjoy that the clauses are, like, these over... <laughs> I don't know. It's weird because they're not... They're awarding... I don't know. I don't know what they do because they don't treat them like children. Yeah. No, they definitely don't. And I think that the the idea that they acknowledge the intention behind good or bad behavior, I think that gives me a lot of uh, respect for the clauses. That mm -hmm. it's not just like, you know, you yelled at your sister, you were on the naughty list. It's like, oh you interpreted the thing that your sister did as very hurtful to you. And then you lashed out at her, but I know you've, it's like, but you've been trying to control your like emotions, you know? So 
you're still on the nice list even if you slip up. It's kind of like this whole master thing of like, you have to be really ba- – it's almost like the opposite of the good place. You know, it's like you have to be really bad to get on the naughty list for Santa. You're innocent until proven guilty. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and But I was just thinking about that a lot because I'm sure that Anne got so much judgment for leaving her children. <laughs> My God, yes. And uh, I'm sure that, like, I mean, her three-year-old children were, like, fine with staying with Grandma, and I'm sure they are so proud of their mom for becoming the person that she was. And I'm sure as adults – if you were to ask them, like, would you wish your mom wouldn't have left you for those couple months? They'd be like, absolutely not. They don't, like, it, they don't remember it. And it also, like, they can see the change that happened in her. Right. Like, I would love to know what her children think of it now. I mean, people judge women who go to work. They yep. judge women that stay home from work. They yep. judge women that don't want children, can't have to. It's like, it doesn't matter what you do. You're being judged for your child decisions and i'm sure your children don't judge you that way yeah i never look at my mother and i'm like oh i didn't like it when she did this this and this mm-hmm. like in terms of her career and her friends and like yeah. her life i was always like oh that's cool mm-hmm. go do that mm-hmm. i was interested in the allure of the north pole i know the idea of like okay it's an expedition to get there but it is so remote that it has become this make-believe land mm-hmm. that that the most powerful person on earth can live in. You know what I mean? Well, and also, like, I never thought about, like, yeah, like, he does, like, live at the exact point of all of the time zones. Yeah. So he can be in, like, Christmas for Santa Claus, (laughs) as if he's a real person, is not just 24 hours for him, you know, because he is in yesterday and today all at the same time. Because he's literally at the 90-degree North Pole, and mm-hmm. I think that's really fun. Um, and I just also was, like, really struck by just, like, the magic of both of these journeys, where one is something that, like, is obviously a fairy tale that's been passed down through tradition, and the other is a real thing that happened that sounds so unbelievable. And the idea of, like, not a lot of people know about, like, Mrs. Claus and her story. And not a lot of people know about this female expedition. And not a lot of people know about Ann Daniels. Her Wikipedia page is, like, five sentences long. Yeah, and I like the idea of Ann Daniels kind of being Mrs. Claus. Mm -hmm. Like, you know how there's so many stories about, like, the guy who became Santa? Yes. It's like, what is the story of the woman who became Mrs. Claus? Like, there should be a story becoming Mrs. Claus. And Daniels yeah. became Mrs. Claus. She is the most decorated. She's been to both Arctic poles. And she's decorated in the art of 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 the cold. She like, knows how to read the sun and tell where she's gonna go. I can't even read a face clock watch. Like <laughs> it's Truly, why does eight mean forty? I don't <laughs> know. It's it is it. I think the idea of becoming Mrs. Claus is something we need an origin story. Oh, absolutely. We keep having Santa Claus origin stories, and we need a Mrs. Claus origin story. Yes, really, because again, like not I feel like there's not enough about like who Mrs. Claus is as a person. All we know about her is that she was a wife, and that is her main identity and i feel like that's all we know about Anne and these other women it's like oh they are women and like Anne is 
divorced. So it's kind of like Mrs. Claus is a wife and is now not a wife. And I also like she kind of, but Anne left her wife identity to go do the thing that she needed to do. And Mrs. Claus is only herself through her wife identity because she's a fictional character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, Anne could have picked any number of things to do. Yeah. This was the one she saw on a newspaper in front of her. Yeah. So I I think she was, she was a searcher and she Mm -hmm. found something. So Mm -hmm. by nature, she was somebody who was going to search and find. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I also wonder, like, I didn't know that I didn't like I didn't come across this any of the research because there's like nothing on her, but like, was Anne Daniels her married name, and now is she like constantly reminded of? I'm sure, like her ex husband, like probably if she didn't, yeah, probably, like that kind of sucks because like all of the original news articles said Anne Daniels and she was married at the time. And it was a time where, like, you normally would take your husband's name. So I wonder, like, a lot of women stuck with it. Don't change their name if they already had kids, because they don't want to have to be separate from their children. Oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because then it's like, oh, uh, anytime you email the school, I have this happen with moms all the time. They'll be like, I'm Carolyn Smith, Charlie's mom. Because if you have a different last name, oh yeah, then you're. It's so hard to like. You're not a set anymore. Mm-hmm. You're now separate family. It's 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 weird. It's yeah. like you're an ace of spades and you're an ace of diamonds. So oh, I yeah. can't group you together. Oh, that makes sense. Um, I was also thinking about your idea of Mrs. Claus keeping the books and like being in charge of all this like administrative work, like behind the scenes. Versus, like, these women who are literally just going out and doing the legwork. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool. But also the guide women are kind of yeah. like the bookkeepers, they right? Are. You had these two women who, were like, they had to travel the entire journey. And they were doing the legwork and keeping the books. Yeah. Which is more true, I think, to Mrs. Claus's story. Yeah. That she's sh- definitely doing so much fucking work. Oh, she's a manager. Yeah. She's managerial staff for sure. Manager, executive in charge. She owns 51% of the stock shares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no doubt. And then there's the idea of like, like domesticity versus adventure and how like Mrs. Claus definitely has adventures, but nobody yeah. gives her credit for those adventures. No. And these women who trek to the North Pole definitely get domestic. Get their fucking domesticity on and don't get credit for it. I mean, they chiseled through ice for a shoe. A shoe! (laughs) (laughs) A shoe and a ski. (laughs) They said, you're not taking my shoe. (laughs) Maybe a tea kettle. I don't know what they lost exactly, but... It just seems really dramatic. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. In the best way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's such, I was on pins and needles. Like I'm, so, I'm, I'm sad we didn't record. We should start like leaving zoom on in the background to record us because I was literally covering my mouth. I was breathing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to breathe into the mic. <laughs> They're gonna, I was sure someone was going to die. That's what you think the whole time. And that's why I like, <laughs> I like, and it's funny because every time I prep for an episode, I do this by the end of it. I'm like, well, I'm sure she knows. Like I think of things as common facts that aren't, uh-huh. it's like, I'm saying 
And then her foot broke through the ice as if it were like, and the sky and was like, blue. Oh. And I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, that's right. She hasn't heard this part before. Her foot broke through the ice. Yeah, well, <laughs> when you spend a week researching something and you read the same fact on a hundred web pages, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, everybody knows this. But the truth is I had never heard about those yeah. women. It's amazing. And they like a lot of them almost died. And it's yeah. amazing. And then, I don't know. I just think it's so fucking cool that like, I'm going to make another comparison. Like Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus ran with her new position as Mrs. Claus and just made it better and has been continuously making it better Mm -hmm. since she existed as a character. And you think about Ann Daniels was like, all right, I'm a polar explorer. I did this many miles on the polar ice in 1997. And now I'm going to go back and I'm going to do a bunch more ice. And it's like, I'm going to take this new identity that I have and I'm going to fucking run with it. The best comparison I have, uh huh. you know, like the woman who marries a person who like does crazy holiday decorations, like one of those houses with a million lights. Absolutely. And you're like, shit, I married into something. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Claus literally married into someone with 12 flying reindeer and works one day a year. Sounds pretty good to me. That's insane. That's wild. I mean, how much stress is on that your whole life to make sure that one day is perfect? The same way that a trip to the North Pole would be. If you fail, you're the woman journey that failed. You can't Uh, fuck up Christmas. That is such a good point about being the woman that didn't fail. Because... Mrs. Claus has to be an efficient woman for literally all the children in the world to be happy. And the women who trekked to the North Pole had to be efficient women to not, I don't want to say like, they had to not like let down all the women and men who were looking and others who were looking at them as like, wow, I didn't think that I could do the North Pole, but you did the North Pole. It's like yeah. exactly how I felt when I was fucking 15 years old and I saw a documentary on climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And mm-hmm. I was like, that 80-year-old woman climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I could totally do that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I haven't. I probably won't. But I could. I feel like I could. Yeah. Like, you line up for a marathon and you see how many people in their 60s are next to you. You're like, okay. Yeah. I now know. Yep. I now know what I'm capable of. Exactly. But all the happiness in the world rides on Mrs. Claus. And it's like all of the confidence in the world rode on those women. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> so them failing is like a big hunk of coal yeah, it <laughs> is. for all the rest of the women. And it's also so funny that you said all the happiness in the world, because that was literally a quote from one of the women. They're like, when you actually reach the North Pole and you're fucking done. <laughs> this is when they were on that you know, trip where they did it all themselves, Mm -hmm. not in a relay. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you don't know what happiness feels like until you reach the North pole after hiking 500, 500 miles miles across Arctic water and ice and snow, like possible polar bears, polar bears. Like I just love that the North pole, even though it's this fucking desolate wasteland in reality, still holds true happiness for people the way that it does in fantasy. Mm. 
Did you like that poetic Listen, stanza I just gave? Let's let's write the next great poem that will be referenced two hundred years from now about Miss Falls. It's gonna be great. And this her name will be into Anne. a movie. <laughs> You ready to toast? I am ready to toast. I am too. <laughs> who would you like to toast this evening? So tonight I want to toast to every woman. You who goes to work all day mm. and then tends to the house and children and all evening with limited appreciation. I want you to know that I see you. I know you're the reason that those presents are under the tree today. Mm. I know that you stayed up late and moved that stupid fucking elf. <laughs> I I know that you're the reason all the kids are smiling and you listened and made sure that they got exactly what they wanted, even when they didn't know that they wanted it. And that is why I believe in Mrs. Claus mm. and the fact that she can't have a name because she's you. So to you, Mrs. Claus, mm, Merry Christmas. So I would like to toast the bold women of this world who make the decision to change their life no matter their age. Because I think that it is the common belief among people that like you go to school, you go to college, you pick a major, you pick a career, and then you stay that way your entire life. Anne was literally a 35-year-old mother who worked at a bank and became one of the most knowledgeable polar ice explorers literally on the planet. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I just think that people think they can't change their career later on in life, and you absolutely can. Is it going to be difficult? Yeah. Not always. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be awesome. I don't know. But maybe you'll don't fall into some ice water. Stuck. Maybe you'll <laughs> fall into some ice water and almost get eaten by a polar bear. I don't know. But... I just want to toast them because I think the bold women who decide to change their situation are fucking amazing. So cheers to them. Serious cheers. That's so brave. All right. What are you enjoying in pop culture this week? So my little librarian sister promoted a book for me. <laughs> okay. What is it? That was a sentence yeah, that didn't come out right. <laughs> so the book is called The Extra Woman by Joanna Scutts. Mm. S-C-U-T-T-S. And... It is so cool. She told me to read it because it's about a generation of women who lived alone mm -hmm. uh, starting like pre-World War II. And in that era, the famous self-help book writer was Marjorie Hillis. Uh -huh. And the book is about Marjorie Hillis and the self-help books that she wrote for these women called, the first one was Live Alone and Like It. And then, Ooh. like, yeah, they, like, continue to, like, move through, like, her history in having to tackle this issue of, like, I'm an extra woman. I'm not a part of any couple. Yes. Well, it's so funny because I love that title, Live Alone and Like It, uh -huh. because I live by the mantra, lunch alone and like it. You should. Because I fucking love having lunch by myself. Good. And I feel like people need to be more comfortable with that. Be more bold with it. Be more bold. Go with to your the Arctic lunch. with your lunch. Um, Go to Panera Bread. <laughs> they have outlets under every seat. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, they do. So I don't know. It's cool. Just for this one woman to be writing about another woman who yeah. wrote all these self help books. She just, she was like, I think my sister said, she was like, I think you and Katie would really enjoy it because it is legitimately just one woman writing about another woman who was writing to women. 
<laughs> so like it's like your cup of tea. I love it. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. And then um, I immediately thanks. got it on audible.com slash hershery. I felt like we we're Chris and Wig and Fred Armisen from SNL. <laughs> I mean, Doing if that's how you together. feel about us, that's a really good compliment. That's really nice. What are you going to promo? I am going to promo a documentary that I could not get out of my head this week when I was researching this. Obviously, it's called Chasing Vertical Ice. Limits. <laughs> Chasing Ice. So this documentary I saw when I was in college, and I could not believe it. So basically, this guy, James Balog, he decided to, he like saw firsthand, because he's a polar ice motherfucker, he was like, the ice caps are melting, everyone. And everyone was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so it's him literally setting up cameras around the Arctic ice caps and filming them melt. And Wait, Al Gore? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure he donated some money to the goals. <laughs> so he is literally putting up these cameras and, like, the cameras fail and the cameras freeze and the cameras do this and they do that and, like, it is so frustrating watching this documentary because you're like, oh, my gosh, I just want you to get what you want. But, like, all these problems go in the way. And then he finally gets it. And it's like he shows people. He's like, look, here's a video of this giant 10,000-year ice thing melting in front of me. Here is where they were this year. Here's where they are now. Here's how much they melted. Here's how much excess water came into the oceans and caused that fucking flood here and there and people are still like mm, i don't think so and it's like these hard facts of like look where the polar ice caps were and look at where they are now and it's like incredibly impactful and i would really recommend it also it's just beautiful seeing all of this ice and like shit i don't know like it's just really pretty but chasing ice james balog it's amazing and it's important it is there we go. So I think that's it. Merry Christmas to Merry all. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we hope you have a great holiday. You know what would be the best Christmas present for us is if you shared this podcast. Or if you liked and rated someone. and review us. Or if you liked and rated and review us. That would be amazing. We are Patreon. So here's mm-hmm. the deal with Patreon. It's there. And uh, if you go on... Before February, February is going to be like the cutoff date for this. We're going to send out like bingo boards and like the first wave. Like if you get on after February, that's fine too. But yeah. like our first wave of like bingo boards and stickers, that's when we're going to email them or send them out. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get on and put your address in and like get all signed up. Otherwise, we won't know where to send them to. Exactly. Because I'm not Mrs. Claus. Not. I don't know where your house is. I don't know. Um, and then also... We just started uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. so we now. It, I mean, it's it's a lot of the same things, but it's just good to have a community. I think Facebook is really good at the discussion portion, so mm-hmm. we'll just hopefully have a lot more people talking yeah. and giving suggestions. So we are all in. We can pose more questions on Facebook if that's what you'd like, mm-hmm. but totally there for it. So you can now find us on that social media as well. So if you already are following us on Instagram and Twitter, Instagram at Her Story on the Rocks, Twitter at Her Story R, Facebook, Her Story on the Rocks, come on over, meet us there, 
We're here for it. And as we like to say on Hoosier on the Rocks, well-behaved women are never caught kissing Santa Claus underneath the mistletoe. That night. And they rarely make history. Ever. Goodbye. Bye. listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye